Hey everyone, before this episode starts, before we start listening to the 50th show of I Was a Teenage Film Snob, I want to make a quick announcement, and that is that merchandise is available right now. You can buy yourself a t-shirt, a hoodie, or some stickers, stick them all over the place, and to get your hands on some authorised uh, merchandise for the show, you want to head to tpublic.com and search for I Was a Teenage Film Snob, or IWATFS, and uh, if that doesn't work, the link is in uh, my show bio. It's in the episode description. It's all over the Instagram page. There's no way you won't be able to find this merchandise if you want to get your hands on and uh, represent the show. So with that in mind, I will now let the show proper begin. This week's episode of I Was a Teenage Film Snob is not brought to you by a sponsor, as always. It is, however, brought to you by the tireless efforts of the hardworking guests who appear on my show every single week. This show is not a paying gig. It is a project of passion started by me just wanting to talk to friends about movies. And every single week, every guest works really hard, brings their all, and tries to make the best show possible. This show wouldn't exist without them, and it wouldn't exist without you, the audience. So thank you to everyone who's been involved in the show for the last 50 episodes. I'm looking forward to many, many more episodes with you. And thank you to you, the listeners, for supporting the show as much as you have. With that all said and done, let's now introduce, for the 50th time, I was a teenage film snob. Welcome to I Was a Teenage Film Snob. I'm James Chalmers, your friendly neighbourhood film snob, and this is a landmark event. It's a very special episode. After more than a year, we finally crawled across the finish line to episode 50. Uh, And to mark the occasion, we couldn't just do the normal old thing. I mean, yeah, we are going to do a list. I'm not that inventive. But we're going to do a much larger celebration. And to celebrate 50, uh, the topic is bigger and the guests are bigger. So uh, for the first time ever, we're going to have a plethora of all-stars on the show. Please welcome back to the show, and all together for the first time, Andre Bulsari, Gabby Van Kylenberg, Nick Owen, Josh Sacker, and Tina Chalmers. Hello. Hi. If you guys left me with crickets, that would have been incredible. <laughs> <laughs> like, he's gone insane. I, I contemplated it for a second. Yeah. He's just <laughs> lost in a wall of Blu-rays, shrug- like, shaking himself, like, they're my friends. Um... It is awesome to have so many people on the show at once. I hope our computers and internet can handle the awesomeness that is everyone at once. But uh, how are we all doing? Very well. Very, good. very well. Very well. Wonderful to be joining you. And congratulations on the 50th episode, James. Thank you. Thank you for that. We should have, like, a little flutes of champagne or something. I've got cordial. Oh, that's good. <laughs> I mean, I've got a big glass of water. That's, the cordial's more my jam. Nick's got some some bubbly and... I'm um, just drinking straight out of a soda stream bottle. Josh is fancy. That's what he was trying to drink when I greeted him as soon as he joined the chat and he had to stop drinking. Um, so we're doing a, a list, as always, on the show, but tonight uh, something a little bit different. We're going to do the 50 movies to watch before you die. I need to put out a disclaimer to the audience. It's not the 50, it's just 50. So if we don't include something people are expecting on there, like Psycho, which is not on the list, it's cool. There'll be other opportunities to do another 50 down the track. We might even do 100 one day. But uh, to get started, we all 
uh, pulled together. We all just contributed films that we liked. There was no criteria for this. There was no voting. I just said to everyone, pick some movies you like, we'll whack them in. There's bound to be some double ups and we'll talk about 50 great movies. Did you want to say something? No. Oh, because you're leaning close to me and you're going, I'm no, yawning. <laughs> I'm bored already, James. No, just kidding. I was um, originally going to do the Whose Lines It Anyway intro, and like, yeah. like a, but I was like, every time I try to commit to a bit, I end up laughing at my own joke. <laughs> And no one else finds it funny. Every so. time I try committing to a bit, I just find myself so funny. It's no, it's not even that. Like I even did it on Gabby's most recent episode. Yeah. I just went and said Gabby New Year and I couldn't get through it. And I, <laughs> That's I, a pretty good one. I like Gabby New Year. Gabby New Year is good. One person liked it and it wasn't until today that someone liked it. Yeah. It was you. What were you gonna say, sorry? I wasn't gonna say anything. No, no, I was because, yawning. I don't know, because you were gonna what say, you say oh, Tina. <laughs> Say, I'm gonna, I was going to say I'm so excited to be here tonight. Thank you for inviting me. I don't know if you're being serious or not. I'm not being serious. I was yawning. This is making for great podcast listening. The thing that people like most about the show is the banter that I have between each of my guests. Well, that's and good. The banter I have with Nick is very constructive and very, uh, you know, very brotherly. The banter I have with Josh is generally about making fun of some of his movie choices. The banter that you and I have is you telling me off. Yeah, <laughs> like, that's right. Um, and the answer that Gabby and I have is just, you know, saying how much I respect her 20 times in an episode. Uh, wow. Well, how come you, you never say you respect us? Well, I, I can go two ways about it. Either <laughs> it doesn't need to be said or it, I'll let the other up. I'll just let the other one hang. Um, does anyone have anything they want to say to mark the occasion, anything they want to bring up before we jump into this plethora of films? Second use of plethora, by the way. I don't know. Oh, that's. I was just going to say, like, it's a really big achievement. 50, that's great. Yes, it is. Yeah. uh, It's been very exciting. And and you crossed your achievement of over 400 followers on Instagram as well. I mean, I'm. Congrats. I'm also, like, very close to 450. Like, the other morning I was at 430. I'm like, but let's try and get to 450 by the end of the weekend, and we're very close. So it's very exciting. Nice. Means. Ultimately nothing, but I'm digging the people that are digging the, the yeah, posts and the show right. and stuff. Uh, I think the, the connections you've made through 50 episodes and 12 months is pretty impressive as well. Yeah, absolutely. You've obviously, like, mm-hmm. started connecting with some people overseas and appearing on their podcasts and having them come on yours. Yeah, yeah I remember when you first um, got in contact with uh, Tyler and Harley, you were, like, over the moon excited, like, Every time that we had a little, like, five seconds between meetings and things that we had to do, you'd be like, oh, blah, 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 blah. oh this is happening. Oh, I'm <laughs> oh, my gosh, I was all excited. And then it's just kept, like, sort of snowballing, but like a good snowball past that. And now, like, you know, 50 episodes in the future, who knows who you're going to be speaking to, who knows who you're going to have on the podcast, how many followers you're going to have, what, where, like, what journey you're going to take with it. Um, what audiences you're going to reach. Um, so, yeah, it's all, it's, I mean, this is just the beginning. It's, it's all very exciting. And I was talking about this on the uh, one-year anniversary. Thank you for those kind words, by the way. Uh, but okay. Tina was kind of quasi-interviewing me on the one-year anniversary episode. And my thing was like, yeah, it can go anywhere. But ultimately what I want to do is keep the core of the show the same, which is sitting down with my friends and talking about movies, which is why you're all here today because you were some of my favourite people to talk to about movies and we have a lot of fun doing it. And we're going to give the big 50 a real shot tonight and see how we go. <laughs> uh, 
Alrighty, so the list has been developed in no order at all. I just mixed them all up in a blender and just thought we'd go... Well, I stacked the deck a little bit. I put some more popular ones towards the end so we could all talk about them. Um, but we're going to rattle through them. Um, and anyone who hasn't seen a film, that's cool. doesn't have to contribute because if you haven't seen it, that's fine. Um, and we're just going to work through them all uh, one by one and have a bit of fun with it. So, 50 movies to watch before you die. Number 50, I believe, was contributed by Andre. Uh, and it is the movie Shrek. <laughs> Please tell me everyone here has seen Shrek. The last time I I think I've only seen Shrek like maybe two or three times. I think the last time was like almost 15 years ago, like a really long time ago. I would say I haven't seen Shrek in about 15 years as well, but I do have a story because I always have a story. We rented Shrek from the video store and the VHS tape broke, so we had to pay for it to be repaired, and they were like, look, we can't rent this, so just keep Shrek. So I've seen Shrek. So many times, <laughs> like 20, 30 times, probably easily. Yeah. Maybe almost as many times as Clarks. Oh my God. Um, I always forget how stacked the cast is of Shrek. Solid. I've got my trusty IMDb mm. here, and I always just forget that, like, it's Cameron Diaz in it. Oh, yeah. yeah. Mm. I'd forgotten that. I obviously know John Lithgow and um, Mike Myers. Um, by the way, John, and Eddie Murphy. And, and Eddie, Eddie Murphy. Eddie Murphy. Um, John Lithgow's character also been the best dirty joke fitting into a child oh my God. ever, maybe. I've got a classic, like, story for that. So I was teaching Year 7 English, like, <coughs> about, I don't know, eight or nine years ago, and um, I was using Shrek as an example for fairy tales, and we were talking about fairy tales. They still and, do that. Yeah. And I was um, I was talking to the class, and I was like, okay, so, you know, Lord Farquaad, like, what is he? And then I just stopped for a second. I went, in my head, I just went, oh, shit. <laughs> I was like, I get it now. I was like, I don't know if I could say that in the classroom anymore. Just oh. Farquaad. Oh, yeah, Farquaad. So I Because I always would say, yeah, Lord Farquaad. Mm. And then I just said it a little bit fast one day. I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and right. with an Australian accent too. It's like far quad. Yeah. <laughs> um, whereas, like, I guess, like, with an American, it's like far quad. So yeah, like, exactly. it sounds a little bit less rude. And now that I'm like, you keep saying it, because of the lighting in this room, I'm giving off Lord Farquaad right now. <laughs> <laughs> I promise I have longer hair, but it's giving Lord Farquaad, so... If we can see like a little red cap for you before the end of the show, that would be great. <laughs> Just the little. No, we could make one. I think it's a great pick, you know, Shrek. It's a film that I don't think about all that often anymore because I haven't watched it in so long. But it's a really, like Nick mentioned, it's a really great cast. The story is solid. Like it's a bit of a reverse, like a kind of reverse engineered fairy tale where about inner beauty, which is really cool. Mm. Um, has maybe one of the greatest opening songs to any movie, which is All Star by Smash Mouth. <laughs> mm. It's got uh, a really good soundtrack. The whole soundtrack's yeah. really good. And if you ever got the, the VHS and then let on the DVD, they had, like, the extra five minutes, which was just, like, a karaoke mix. Yeah, <laughs> so, like, like I, I remember that too. Um, I, I think I think it was in the second one um, where, where they had this sort of, like, far, like far, far away idol, and yeah. and, you can, yeah. and, and you could choose who won. But, but if you didn't choose... Any particular one, Simon Cowell playing himself, just kind of threw the mic away and said he won, and then started singing anyway, which I thought was hilarious back in the day. 
How old would you have been when that one came out, Andre? You're a little bit young. You and Gabby are a bit younger than us. We're all old. I think I think it came out in two thousand and one. Shrek is two thousand and one. Yeah, the first one's two thousand and one. Yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, I can. Uh, I was born in ninety four. So seven. So seven. seven. Yeah. Yeah, so about seven years old. Been six. I I definitely remember going to see it in the cinema with my dad and and my older sister. Um, but yeah, I, but it's it's just such a classic movie. Funny gags, um, like the like and the animation for like for back in the day. It's still you know it's still half decent. The the film holds up. I can like I reckon I reckon it does hold up. It like, mm-hmm. still looks pretty good. And also, it spawned like how many sequels? I don't know. Exactly. Well, there's a new one, films, yeah, right? there's a new Puss in Boots out. Yeah. That's it. It's, it's still relevant, you know. Twenty-two years later, and people like you. Qu- people quote it all the time. Yeah. There is so much. Like it's such a quotable movie, and like you know, you just bring it up, and like everyone knows what you're talking about. I feel like it's a movie that not a lot of people. Like it'd be a very small population of people that wouldn't have seen yeah. it. Well, like um, my year seven students don't know The Simpsons, but they know Shrek. Like, they don't You're know right. Simpsons characters. If I mention Simpsons characters, I don't know who they talk about. But you talk about Shrek and you go, oh, I remember this in Shrek. And they're like, yes, yes, I remember Shrek. Oh, I guess maybe. Probably because, like, everyone has streaming services now, whereas, mm-hmm. like, when we were all at school, like, that wasn't a thing. So 6 o'clock Simpsons is on. Mm. A yeah. lo- like, most people would have it on if your parents weren't watching the news. Mm. Or, you know, sometimes... Parents just wouldn't let you watch The Simpsons. Like this guy. My cousins were like that, and I had to watch it in a separate room when I stayed at their house. <laughs> they were referred to as Gabby's special cousins. It's like <laughs> <laughs> they had corks on the end of their forks and stuff. <laughs> um, it's it is full of great gags. Um, on the, 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 one of my favourite lines in it, and it's so dumb, but I thought it was so funny. Was the whole Muffin Man interrogation scene? Ah, uh, yeah. Where he just sings, "Do you know the Muffin Man?" Mm. I thought that was great. <laughs> One of my favourite ones is the when they arrive to the town and it's the little puppet show. Yes. And it's like, yeah. don't you choose, watch your face. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah it's the all, final thing it's I'll all say on Shrek is, has anyone seen when people dress up, do the Shrek weddings? Yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, it's very popular on TikTok, mm. like, um, to have – Shrek themed birthday parties or just like random parties, and like people go all out with these costumes. Obviously, there's quite a lot available online for people to buy, but like they look so good. And even the people who put in like maybe not that much effort, so they come as like the three blind mice, like even they look really good. And to have them like and like they will set up their house looking like far, far away, and they'll have like even all their food will be like Shrek themed as well. It's so cool. But, yeah, so the, the wedding, I think, might be one step too far. As a guy who made all his groomsmen wear superhero T-shirts, I have no understanding of the appeal. Yeah, that's weird. How dare you? The just guys my groomsmen. <laughs> <laughs> um, Josh, did you have any thoughts on Shrek? No. <laughs> <laughs> what? Uh, and that's why I love this show. <laughs> uh, that's uh, excellent. Do we have any final thoughts on Shrek before we move to our next film? Shrek is love. Shrek is life. Oh, I'm familiar with that. That's upsetting. <laughs> Thanks for ending on such a dark tone. <laughs> uh, hey, uh, T- Tina, check your phone. Yeah. 
I'm just sending you. You said you hadn't seen the Shrek wedding. Oh, okay, cool. So I just messaged you too. There's so many. Sorry, stuff sorry James. No, all continue. Good. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I just saw it as well. It was worth it. That um, was amazing. Movie number 49 came out in 2004. It was a uh, written, I believe, and starring Tina Fey from SNL, and it is Mean Girls, which I think we can all agree is a pretty fetch movie. Yes. <laughs> that is so fetch. Mean Girls is fantastic. Such a great film. Um, I remember when it came out, I was, I would have been like 16, 15, 16. Wasn't really a Lindsay Lohan fan. Just thought it was a girly film, so it took me a little while to get to it. But the flick is legitimate genius. It's really, really funny. Mm. Um, it's based on a, it's a self-help book or like a non-fiction book about bullying in schools, if I remember correctly. Um, it stars Rachel McAdams and uh, Byron said Lindsay Lohan and Tina Fey. Um, I, I love it. I think it's brilliant. I think it's so funny. Um, and it's another one where I've seen probably 20, 30 times easily. Um, and keen to hear other people's thoughts. This was your choice, wasn't it, Gabby? Yeah, so oh, I can't even tell you how many times I've seen this movie. Uh, much like Shrek, it's one of those movies that if you put on, I have to, like, consciously, like, clench my jaw so I don't quote it yeah. because I am very aware of how annoying that might be to other people unless they're also doing it. So if they start doing it, then I know that I can do it and then I get a bit competitive with it, which is <laughs> a bit stupid. So, but, yeah, like I've seen it so many times. We watched it even, we watched it in um, year 11 psych as well. Um, and everyone was so excited to do it because I think that was just um, focusing on, like, clicks and, like, social stuff at school. Um, but, yeah, like, I just apply it almost every single day. There's something that I can take from that movie and apply, like, into my daily life in terms of, like, how quotable it is. Mm. Um, I really quoted it today. Yeah. And I think, like, yesterday as well. Yeah, like I every time I'm like handing out sheets and I happen to run out and like the kid that I get to oh and now for Gretchen Wieners and then they like, <laughs> like so they just like roll their eyes at me but yeah I I love Mean Girls it's so funny and I think even though obviously I mean the fashion in that movie is coming back regretfully but um. Like, kids today, like, I, again, it's still really funny today. It's not like, you know, the jokes have just, you know, they're not really that funny anymore. I mean, I'm sure that there are little things here and there that might be, I guess, err on the side of political incorrectness, but that's high school. Mm. So, you know, kids say things that, you know, 10, 15 years down the track, they're going to regret and they're going to look back and be like, oh, like, shouldn't have said that. I, that's not a reflection of me. So I guess it's still, like, it's still a good pick. Well, I would say so because I did pick it. Yeah, absolutely. Like, there, are, yeah, there's definitely some stuff that doesn't necessarily age well, but I think it's a real snapshot of that time. And also because it's trying to highlight a larger issue, um, I think it's, I think it's okay to include in that context just to be like, look, we're trying to show you the negatives of bullying and the negatives of clicky behavior and stuff like that. Um, I didn't want to get so deep on Mean Girls, so I get the theory so quickly. Um, but it's great. I, I quote it a lot as well. She doesn't go here. Is a yeah. Is she a, doesn't even go, go here. here. Yeah. <laughs> um, that one and um, 
Uh, I, I love, I, this is another quote, but I love Amy Poehler just in, like, I'm a cool mom. Yeah. Um, I'm not a regular mom. I'm a cool mom. Um, the boys are on IMDb, and um, this is another one that's got a really stacked cast. Like, great cast. It's kind of like well-known people well well into the cast. Um, <laughs> I'm going to shock you all. Never seen this film. Haven't you? Oh, it's no. definitely worth Oh, yeah. we got to watch it. If it makes you feel any better, Nick, I haven't seen it either. <laughs> oh. It does. It really does. Have you seen it? Like I started, like I started watching it with with my sister once about three years ago, and and yeah, I watched for about ten minutes, and then I went off to go do something else. The look, you got Gabby's face. All boy just... household, and I wonder if that plays a part. Like it just wasn't screened yeah, in and yeah. around house with two boys growing up. Have you seen it, Josh? Yes, many times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was just say Beck would watch Mean Girls, I imagine. That's yeah, yeah. She's into, yeah, she loves that. Yeah. Do you? Have, well, where where do you sit on it? Because yeah, everyone was all the guys were a bit quiet there. I was going like, Gus, it's amazing, and all the all the guys were a bit quiet. Uh, not your thing, or? Me? Yeah. I, I think it's a great comedy movie. Like I saw it later. Um, I didn't see it when it first came out, but I saw it later, and I, I really like it. Yeah, it's solid. Like I, Nick, you would definitely dig on it. There's enough in there, like. I was the same. I was like, oh, because my thing was like, oh, all the promotional work like is pink. It's all pink, mm. so it's definitely not for but me. The, go- the jokes transcend. Yeah. The jokes are universal. Yeah, That's why it still works. Yeah, it's, it's not like work. like Heather's, for example, is so of its time mm. and really weird 80s sort of like That's so jokes. true because yeah, I tried yeah. watching Heather's for the first time like three years ago mm. and I didn't get it. Like I, I was like, I don't, I don't understand the. What's the hype? Yeah. yeah, and then Whereas, but Mean Girls, like the jokes still, there's the jokes transcend. Like doesn't matter your age, doesn't matter how much time has passed. Um, this yeah. Good. Well, this this fits into the the Bueller theory that I have, the Bueller effect, because yeah. we watched Ferris Bueller. Yeah, it's a theory, patent pending. It's a theory I'm working on. Because I loved Ferris Bueller when I was a kid. Thought it was great. Thought he was a hero. Like, who wouldn't love Ferris Bueller? Tina never saw it when she was a kid. And we watched it as adults and she hated it. She yeah. was like, Ferris Bueller is obnoxious. I can't stand this kid. He's the villain of this piece. Um, and I was like, oh, well, that makes sense because you're an adult and you never see it as a kid. I wonder whether Mean Girls, are the same rules apply. Like, you're saying, oh, it transcends. No, but I you think were... no, no, because the difference between that and Mean Girls is that Ferris Bueller has no redemption. At the end of it, there's no, like, redeeming humility of what happened. <coughs> Regina George gets hit by a bus. That's true. You know, and then she and then she finds humility. Sorry, I ruined it for you guys. Um, and Katie, like. Yeah, the movie know, takes just... a really dark turn. <laughs> <laughs> and that's and how Regina Katie, George like, died. realises how. She was a dog to her friends and, like, mm. under- so there's a whole redemption arc at the end of it. Ferris Bueller's just a jerk kid who wags school, fucks up everybody's life around him and the whole town, and then at the end of it he's like, oh, my best friend's car, dad's car got destroyed. Oh, well, I got the day off. <laughs> Fuck you. I feel like you have some emotions about this, Tina. I hate Ferris Bueller. So this is why Tina's here and Josh's reaction before about no. That's why Josh is here. <laughs> I feel like the older you get, when you watch Ferris Bueller, the more it becomes about Cameron. Like I can relate yeah. to a guy yeah. who just needs is so like 
depressed. He just needs to sit around all day and like lay in a pool or something like that. Yeah. And it's funny, look, Ferris Bueller's not on the list, but just we're talking about it. One of Good. The, it shouldn't be. One of the weirdest moments in that film, which I didn't question as a kid, and no one told me, hey, that's weird, was Ferris goes to school dressed as Sloane's father to get her out of school and then openly makes out with her in front of a teacher. <laughs> and it's never explained that the teacher knows it's Ferris. It's just a weird movie. That's yeah, he a, says, come to daddy, is what he says. Oh, he does. Oh, Jesus <laughs> Christ. Yeah. Is there any more reason for me to hate this movie? Oh, my goodness. It's so funny. Um, any final thoughts on Mean Girls? Um, I will say this, you know, it was funny because um, there's a musical version of Mean Girls that's like mm. played on Broadway, and it's it's not as good as the movie. Like I mean, the music, the music's a little bit, when you first hear it, you're like, oh, is that a well-written song? I don't know. But then it gets quite boppy and you listen to it. And I was teaching my year 10s about costume and I had a picture of the actresses from Mean Girls um, as a promotional picture and I was talking about costume. I was like, put up your hand if, the, if you've seen Mean Girls. All the girls in the classroom had put their hand up, and a couple of boys did too. And I was like, "What day is this?" Uh, and they're like, "It's Wednesday." It's um, also, we should talk about it quickly. I don't know if anyone's seen it. I haven't, but it did spawn a sequel, which I believe is not very good. But... Oh, it's dog shit! I haven't seen, I haven't seen the sequel. <laughs> it's so bad. Do not. I think I must have gotten it on like a sleepover night while I was in high school, thinking. Oh my gosh, they've done it once. Can they do it again? And they captured the magic. <laughs> the answer was no, they couldn't. Um it was almost like like some teens had like it was very it was pretty low budget and also like some teens had thought up an idea and just tried to redo the same thing mm. but slightly more modern and it no. I, I would be really down with a like a years later sequel, like set in the present, like almost 20 years later, get the cast back together and do it like a This Is 40 or like an adult comedy type thing. I Lindsay think... has said she would not be opposed. Well, I mean, you know, like we, we don't get She's political. looking for stuff. work. Yeah. <laughs> but all the cast is still, I think it'd be great. Uh, excellent. Movie 48. That's right. We're only on our third movie. Uh, is a classic Christmas comedy suggested by Master Nick Owen himself. Um, this is a flick I'm sure we've all seen. It's uh, Home Alone. Mm, oh, very good. Yeah. Classic. Home Alone is Christmas to me. You're not going home, not really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I suppose I should probably say something about it, shouldn't I? Say a few words about our good friend Home Alone. Well, I think it's just um, imminently rewatchable. Like, it's a film I watch, of course, with the sequel, um, like, every single year and just never gets old. Like... Who would have thought seeing like two like thieves like try and kill a ten year old boy <laughs> would be so entertaining? But there you go. It's uh, it's it's a great flick. Obviously, it has the the Wonderkind Macaulay Culkin, who was huge in the late eighties, early nineties. Um, Daniel Stern, Joe Pesci in his most friendly role <laughs> ever. And he never really went back to family comedies. He kind of did two Home Alones, and that was it. Um, you got mm-hmm. Catherine O'Hara. Um, who most people now know from Schitt's Creek, but obviously um, was part of Second City and did a bunch of um, Christopher Guest films. And for those who haven't seen in a world where people haven't seen Home Alone, a little boy gets left home alone over Christmas and he has to defend his house. Um, it's a great flick. Like, it's, it's a Chris Columbus movie, isn't Christopher it? Christopher Columbus did the yeah. first mm. two. 
I'm probably more partial to part two just because it's a little bit more polished, but um, the first flick is great and um, some of those traps are just insane. <laughs> I still think those, like, um, action scenes, for lack of a better word, at the end stand up, like the practical stunts, they still yeah, look yeah. definitely. And the misdirect villain is definitely stronger in the first film. I prefer old man Marley to the mm. woman. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> the pigeon woman um, of Central Park. Yeah. yeah. So, you know how they made the movie? The, the movie watches in the second one. It's not even real. It's like a uh, fake movie they made for the the movie, the black and white one. Yeah. Oh, Angels yeah. of the really? Souls. Yeah. yeah. Not even a real film, just shot for the movie. Yeah. Uh, I didn't know that. And then they did, obviously, the second one which has the wonderful um, joke where he's going through all the different people he's kissed and the last <laughs> guy's Cliff and he happens to be the, the janitor of the hotel. Yeah. I love old man being accused of kissing, kissing boys. <laughs> now, I never watched Home Alone when I was a kid. I first watched it when I was an adult. Mm. Um, so I didn't have that memory of, of being a kid going, oh, I wish I could be home alone just like him and, oh, look at those funny things. <laughs> but I tell you what, like it's... When I was watching it as an adult, it was so great. It was so entertaining. It's really funny. Like, mm. yeah, like it's very slapsticky, and slapstick is such yeah. a such a fine art. So easily, um, but it's such a universal type of comedy as well. Mm, I was gonna say so easily done poorly though. Mm. Like you know, I controversially, my I'm not a huge fan of Thor Ragnarok. My biggest problems with that film were all the slapstick moments in it. Um, but Home Alone executes so well. You've got. Um, his like weird little monologues where he speaks like a forty-year-old man, where he's like, <laughs> yeah. "I'm eight years old. Do you really think that I'd be going <laughs> alone? I don't think so." Uh, Gabs, you've been rather quiet on Home Alone. I think um, everyone has like a Christmas movie that they go back to, and Home Alone isn't mine, but I still do love it. Um, so I think it's just one of the Christmas movies that I have probably watched a bit less than, and I'm, uh, there's like a gajillion Christmas movies. I feel like um, you're more of an elf person. I am, uh, or the Grinch. Um, but I actually grew up watching a miracle on 34th street, like every single Christmas Eve. The Marvel um, one, the nineties one. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Right I have seen, I have seen the older one, but I do prefer the Mara Wilson one. Um, but, yeah, like, I think I always enjoyed the second one a little bit better because um, the idea of, like, being a, in a hotel by yourself, like, that seems like paradise to me, mm. um, even as an adult, probably more so as an adult than as a kid. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I and I just I couldn't ever get over, like, how many kids they had at, like, yeah, to me, yeah. there's so many kids living in this house. To me, I was this just house like, is freaking huge. Mm. Yeah, like, what does the dad do? It's, it what cannot be legal. It? it cannot be legal to no. afford that, well, those kind of holidays. One, he's the only one that works because even Uncle Frank doesn't work. Like, Because, yeah. like, the Uncle Frank is like, your father's paying a lot of money for me to go on holidays. Things are like... Declare. I do. I do like that as a joke through the first two movies that he's like the biggest cheapskate on the planet. <laughs> Everyone has one though in the family. Everyone has one. And is the first one where um, he's recording Uncle Frank singing? Is that? No, nah, that's the second one. That's the second one. Okay, I get. Mm. Them, I do get them mixed up a little bit. Um, 
I think the first one's violence is is probably more brutal. That's when you got the the handle burning into his into no. his hand. Yeah, yeah. And stepping on a nail. Mm. Yeah. Although the second one, uh, Daniel Stern gets elect- electrocuted into a skeleton <laughs> at one point. Yeah, that's, <laughs> so that's pretty bad. Electrocuted into a skeleton. <laughs> and he also cops the bricks to the face. Like, yeah, oh, that's so, right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like he should, like he should have been dead. Yeah, yeah. Like, one, one brick. No should kill about it. He electrocuted and take a brick to the face. <laughs> I love the theory and like it's like the fan theory that like Kevin McAllister grows up to be Jigsaw. I think that's a really great <laughs> little fan theory. And correct me if I'm wrong, did um, Macaulay Culkin also play um, Dennis the Menace or was that another kid? That's a different kid. Because yeah. like they're very like in terms of the slapstick comedy, what happens at the Thieves is like similar to what happens in Dennis the Menace as well. Like a lot of just, like, physical comedy. Mm. And so, like, I feel like those movies all came around at a similar time. So I always, like, they always mesh into each other for me at least. A guy named Mason Gamble. Yeah. It did feel like Macaulay Culkin was in every movie that had a child part for, like, five years. He was in Richie Rich, wasn't he? Yeah. 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 He was Richie Rich. He was um, in Uncle Buck. Yep. Getting even with Dad. Oh, my girl. My girl, yeah. Uh, that's a nice traumatic film. Um, yeah, that had a real funny ending. <laughs> <laughs> when she thought he could see without his glasses. <laughs> Don't you dare. <laughs> very, uh, very dark. Josh, what are your thoughts on Home Alone? Oh, I like it. It's classic. I grew up on it. It's a nice one. Excellent. Mm-hmm. Um, and Andre, you didn't, I didn't hear much from you. Did you? Is it is you like Gabby? And it's not really in rotation much for you, or are you a um, fan? Or. Um, it's prob it's probably one of my favorite Christmas movies. Um it like, f- like correct me if I'm wrong, but is Donald Trump in the second one? Did yeah, the teacher yeah. yeah. cameo? That's it. Yeah, like yeah, yeah, I was trying to think about it. Um but yeah, not not much to say. It's just a classic Christmas movie and I love it. I also controversially um really enjoyed the third one, which where they replaced Macaulay Culkin and they had Russian oh. spies come in. <laughs> But that was a flick that was uh, in consultation at home, and that was one of the very first ones of Scarlett Johansson. So go back and watch. Home there you three. go. Yeah, she plays the older sister. She's got like two lines in it. But... Isn't that like there's like a computer chip or something like that? Yeah, yeah. it's like a missile. It's like a Russian yeah. missile computer chip in a racing car. Sounds really grounded in reality, that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it's, uh, it's like the Nolan version of a, <laughs> of a Alone movie. Don't you dare. <laughs> we're, gonna talk some, we're gonna talk some Nolan soon, but uh, next we're gonna to a movie which I haven't seen, um, and Josh might have to take the lead on this one, and I'm gonna probably pronounce it wrong as well. Is it Okja or Okja? Okja. Okja? I know. Okja, I think. So this is a Netflix film, is that right? Yeah, by um, director Bong Joon Ho. Oh, Bong Joon Ho, he's great. He did Parasite, yeah. he did Snowpiercer. Fantastic. Yeah, yeah. So it's like it's about like a um a massive like an, like a, a pig hippo type creature, um that's like on a, like a, a farm in um was it South Korea and this girl sort of befriends it. Anyway, ten years later, um I think it gets discovered or it's part of a contest and like 
like this uh, company in America sort of like takes it and has like these plans for it to like, you know, be manufactured and harvest and all that sort of thing. Um, to like, to produce like, um, uh, like, I guess like a new meat and um, <laughs> she like, Sorry, I I didn't realize I was going into the meat direction. I thought like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, for people yeah, to yeah. enjoy as part of their meal. Yeah, so she sort of goes on a rescue mission to save like her little companion, or big companion, I should say, to you know from being slaughtered. So it's like this weird sort of dark comedy sci-fi what movie, um, and yeah, it just tackles like you know overconsumption, capitalism. Um, that sort of thing, and there's like it's got a cool cast, and yeah, just really surprising sort of movie that is sort of deals with Tilda Swinton one. Is Tilda Swinton in this one? Yeah, yeah. It's not yeah. Yeah. Paul Dano. Oh, yeah. Riddler Jake, Jake Gyllenhaal. <laughs> uh, that's about all I know. Oh, and um, the dude who has the chicken shop in Breaking Bad. Oh, um, John Carlo Esposito. Oh, that's and, him. Um, Shirley Henderson, because that's that's Manny Myrtle. Yeah. Um, has anyone else seen it? I, I just, I've never seen. It. It's one of those ones that always like, kind of flashes by on Netflix. And I'm always like, oh, that's really? interesting. Um, has anyone else watched Okja? No. I have not heard of it until today. I remember seeing the picture on Netflix, but mm. I don't. But I've never seen it. Well, I definitely want to check it out now. Josh, you've sold me on it. Sounds like a pretty interesting. Film. It sounds. It very much sounds like a you film, which is good as well. Like, because a recommendation from you in this kind of genre is definitely all I need to hear. So, um, uh, I'm sure it'll be a wor- it's a worthy addition to the the 50, and I can't wait to check it out. But, um, is there anything else you want to say about the movie before we we move on to the next one? I just want to give it. No, due. I think it's just it, what its commentary is like really well done. I think on like its subject matter, and um, it, it's a really like there's some cool action sequences, and it just surprises you. Mm. Um, with what it does with its subject matter. Yeah. Cool. He, look, he's a fantastic director. Like, I'll watch anything that guy makes. He's just full of great ideas. So it's, it's probably going to be a winner, which is excellent. Um, all right, we'll move on to Tina's first movie. Uh, it's a classic 90s film. Good old Tom Hanks and maybe his prime decade. Uh, Forrest Gump. Yeah. Forrest Gump. Yeah. I kind of like... It's not necessarily one of my favourite movies, mm. but I feel like it's a movie that you should watch before you die. Yeah. Because it's so encompassing of all, like, history. It's such on a um, – it's not really a grand scale, but it's a very long movie. So, yeah, it's very much like a, uh, like a long like – Marathon. Like a, well, it's because you did all that running? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a timeline film. Yeah. So it, covers, it covers, like, 20 or 30 years, doesn't it? Yeah, I think so. Well, it starts, the earliest event is obviously a young forest teaching Elvis how to dance. And so that would be 50, yeah. I imagine. Yeah, and then he doesn't, he, he's in the Vietnam War, right? Yeah. 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 So it must cap out in, the, I think it might come out even close to the 90s. I mean, it must be. Yeah, it does. It sort of ends yeah. around there because that's when he's sitting at the bus stop. Yeah. And that's all the, yeah. the flash flashes to present times at the bus stop because he's taking the box of chocolates, like box of chocolates, um, to Jenna. Yeah, spoilers. Really sad ending where he's going. Jenna. <laughs> you ain't got no legs, Lieutenant Dave. <laughs> yes, I know that. Is it sad or is it like... Isn't he going to the grave? No, she goes to meet 
Is he? He meets meets the sun. He's the sun. Well, isn't he? Isn't he? Forrest, meeting Forrest Junior. Oh, I, yeah. it's, it's been twenty years since I've seen Forrest Gump, so mm. I, I. It's a it's a really good movie, but yeah, the ending is sad. <laughs> it's the first movie that ever made me cry. I know that. That was the first movie because when you find out that Jenny's dead, like that was pretty full on for my seven year old heart. Um, <laughs> it's um yeah, it's, it's such a great soundtrack. Right, yes. Fantastic soundtrack. I would say top five soundtracks of all time. Yeah. Like, really great, like, classic mm. rock, um, some really good old 50s and 60s jams, some cool looks. Like, like, yeah, just by spanning so much time, you get the best of everything. You get yeah, Dylan, you get right. Elvis, um, you get Mamas and Papas, like, mm. you get so much stuff. Um, Very good um, Tom Hanks era. I'm pretty sure he won yeah. an Oscar for Philadelphia, then the next year he won an Oscar for Forrest Gump, mm. back-to-back. Like peak performance of mm. Tom Hanks. Yeah. And just, like, the jokes are really funny. Like, you know, what do you have to say, sir? I got a pie. <laughs> and just, like, all the little narration jokes because he doesn't understand, like, the social context and stuff mm. like that. That's, that's all I have to say about that. Yeah. <laughs> um, I like it. Sorry, I was going to okay. say, I saw recently that in the scene where he's, like, um, doing the table tennis, because the coach yeah. the coach said, like, don't take your eye off the ball, the whole scene he's not blinking because he was told specifically not to take his eye off the ah, ball, so he's like, the whole time. Yeah, I didn't know yeah. that. Awesome. Oh. Yeah, for um, yeah, I think it's just one of those. I think it's just one of those movies where it's such a it's such a unique story um, that's that's you know it's not based on a book, it's not based on like a real person <laughs> or anything like that. It's literally just a story that somebody developed and created. And I think the way the story is written is really um, unique and interesting. And it's a bloody long movie, but I tell you mm. what, you're engaged the whole way through. I bet it's not as long as you think it is. I bet it's I like think it's like three hours. I bet it's like two and a half. Well, when you because it would always be on TV. Yeah, it so would make it four hours in between. Makes oh it yeah, yeah like, like it's a lo- it's a long ride. Like um, you know, it's it's not fast paced by by any stretch of the imagination. No, no. that's right. Like you said, Tina, it keeps you engaged because it's such a compelling tale. Like you just yeah. want to know what happens next. No, like, what, exactly what right. adventure is he going on next? What who's he gonna meet? Like, what's going on? Yeah, it might sound blasphemous, but I feel like it's one of those few classes. Two hours and twenty-two minutes. There you go. That's pretty long. Yeah, yeah. Um, I feel like this is the kind of film you could get away with remaking today. Like, you wouldn't want to remake too many, but because of the nature of the story, you could do it almost in any era. Like, if you're gonna cross like 30, 40 years. I think there's still, like, some fun stuff. Like, you do the 90s through to present. Like, there's enough interesting stuff in, over time to kind of... He'd, like, he'd be on the stage <laughs> when the slap happened and he'd just be like... <laughs> 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 and the award goes to... I think I'm at the wrong show. <laughs> <laughs> but I do have to say one thing. Say it. Really do not like the character of Jenny. Oh yeah, yeah. Like, she's, she's like, oh yeah. And that's yeah. the thing. Like, I understand that she is a lost girl who's, you know, growing up in the sixties and seventies, and so 
she's unsure as to who she is. She gets into like the whole drugs and all that sort of stuff like that. Um, and she's still learning who she is. So the way that she treats Forrest at times is, you know, horrible. And then she redeems it and blah, blah, blah. But I just kind of go, really? Jenny's the one you like? What's so special about Jenny? But then maybe what's special about her is that she's She's, she's his girl. Well, she's also think... the first one that treated him like there's nothing wrong. Yeah, that's, that's true. it. That's true. But I think in the background, like he doesn't understand it because he's um, a simple man. But she's uh, like I'm, I'm pretty sure it's part of the story that she was abused like yeah. as a child. Oh, that's why. That's why she moved like out from where she was living, like with her dad, because mm. um, I think it was potentially her dad that was doing it. Yeah. Um, and I guess her view of adult activities is. Mm-hmm warped as a result so when it comes to jenny and forrest in that situation he's like i don't know yeah Yeah. and so she's a really complicated and complex and deep character but sometimes i feel like you're only i don't know sometimes the way she sort of presents it is like you just got to read the subtext more you got to read the subtext more sort of thing but i also think that like Especially because of the time that's set, she doesn't really understand. Like, she thinks she understands what's yeah. going on with us, but I don't think she really fully appreciates it either. Mm. Um, yeah, good flick. Like, I haven't yeah, watched it in a long definitely, time. Definitely, definitely one that I think most people should see if they haven't seen. Just, just as it's a big, it's a big movie to tick off your list. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, I don't know if Josh is here. If he stepped away for a second, I was going to ask Josh how he felt about Forrest Gump, but he might have. Stepped out of the room. No. <laughs> um, I'll be back in one sec. One sec. No, all good. No worries at all. He's got to get his box of chocolates. Can't <laughs> <laughs> see Jenny. Oh, my God. It's, uh, yeah. No, it's a good one. I don't really want to move on without Josh, so we'll, um, we got to, let's just wrap, guys. Let's just, <laughs> let's just jam. Well, James, we were talking about um, potential sequels to fil- 90s films. Mm. Um, and we talked about potentially like the adventures of Gump Jr. Gump Jr., yeah. <laughs> they could do it like how they did Young Indiana Jones. Mm. <laughs> like all the adventures he got in those Well, kid. here's the other thing. <laughs> like now looking at it, in because the movie came out, what, 1994? Yeah, 93, 94. Something like yeah. that. And now looking at it with the 2022 lens, like does Forrest, 2023 lens, yeah. does Forrest Gump, is he, is he obviously he's neurodivergent, would we say he has Asperger's or would we say he is autistic maybe? I'm not sure. Like, because he's different. If you look at it through that lens. I feel like we're on the board of getting to some really insensitive conversation. Yeah. I was going to say he's very, like, he's not, like, he's different to um, to Dustin Hoffman in Rain Man. Like, it's a different kind of learning difficulty. Yeah. Um, like, um, Rain Man has a lot of. I suppose a lot of um, obsessive compulsive mm. um, and like, ha- like kind of habitual um, behaviors. Whereas Forrest, I think it's just a bit like, just a bit slow is the way it's kind of presented in the film where he just struggles to understand things. But I don't know. It's I don't a- know. I just sort of like wonder, you know, if you mm. put that, if you put <laughs> that lens, is it, is it actually the story of like a neurodivergent person trying to make their way through the world? Mm. And they just happen to come across all these like, 
funny little happenstances along the way, like meeting the president of the United States of America and Such a great just running, running for ages and then t- turning around and going, I'm a bit tired. I think I'll go home now. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I see you competing for the accent work. Like, yeah. we've got, like previously Maddie did a solid Pee Wee Herman, so now we've got yeah. Tim as uh, Forrest Gump. Oh, you can't not do Forrest Gump's voice. You'll all be expected to uh, deliver some accent work over the next few episodes. Um, Josh, I didn't hear you talk about Forrest Gump much. Is it one that's on, on your radar much? Or? Oh, yeah, no. I think it's classic as well. Um, really nice movie. Um, I'm trying to, think of, uh, trying to think of something that hasn't been said already. But, um, no, it's, a, it's just a classic. You can pretty much quote a lot of it. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know what else to say. It's good. I always think of the smiley face, like when he wipes his face on the T-shirt and it prints yeah. out the smiley and the guy gets yeah. the idea for the smiley face shirt. Mm. And I always <laughs> think about Bubba just, like, going through all the different kinds of shrimp. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was, like, bucketing down with rain and he's still listing, <laughs> listing shrimp. I, I, I hadn't seen the movie until I was about 20 or so. Mm-hmm. And um, when I was really young, my next-door neighbours – um, like we were friends with them and they went to the US and they brought me back um, like Bubba Gump shrimp merchandise because yeah, I had like a got restaurant there. Well, my brother and, got it, I think, I didn't get it, yeah. Yeah, and for, for all the <coughs> listeners and for uh, uh, Nick and Josh, I am five foot one, so I'm very short. So, and I have always been, it's not like I just went from being a toddler to being five foot one. Uh, it's just been a gradual slow increase and this is where it stopped. But yeah, like the neighbor, uh, the husband of the duo, like he always like used to call me anything related to being short. And so like, I guess shrimp was somewhere on the table. So like, I never understood what it meant until <laughs> I saw the movie and I was like, Ah, I get it now. Mm. It makes it makes sense, but I I I don't know. Is the restaurant still going? Is I, don't is know. It I thought uh, it was I'm a, pretty sure it's a big chain. Yeah, I, I think it's like thriving. Oh, good. well, there you go. Well, now we know what we're all getting. Well, also, for I just saw this. The box office for um the budget for the movie was fifty five million. At the box office, it made. Six hundred and seventy-eight point two million. Oh wow! With inflation, that's huge because that's probably closer to a hundred million dollar budget, which means it's probably close to a billion dollars in today's money. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, but take that, I, Avatar. I have one little factoid about um, Forrest Gump, and this might explain why. I studied in media when I was in year ten, and apparently, a large portion of the North, uh, North American audience believed it was based on a true story. Uh, <laughs> so, <yeah. laughs> Why are they the way that they are? Hey, we've got some um, US friends on the show. I'm not saying all of them. I just thought that was a funny little fact. <laughs> Sorry, Nick, I stepped on you. No, I was the fun thing I was going to say was it's directed by Zemeckis, isn't it? Uh, Z, that's it. So he's like an absolute gun because didn't he do Back to the Future as well? He sure did. We might even mm. talk about Zemeckis a bit later. We might talk about a couple yeah. of directors again, um, including Columbus. There's another Columbus from one here as well, I reckon. Um, Alrighty, movie number 45. We are <laughs> trudging through. Uh, this is one of my picks. I don't know how many people have seen it, so we'll just go through it quickly. This is a classic from, from the 1950s, a black-and-white courtroom drama called 12 Angry Men. 
Um, for those who haven't seen it, basically a young man is put on trial for murder, uh, and the film pretty much takes place in one room. It's the jury, and they're trying to figure out whether he's guilty or not. Eleven of the 12 jurors believe he is, and the 12th one is basically saying, but what if? And he refuses to go, go along with them. I think it's also important to note that the man who's on trial is also African-American. Yeah, well. the man on trial is an African-American. And set in the 1950s. Yeah, yeah, made in the 50s and set in the 50s. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're into dialogue, if you're into character drama at all, like, it's just a master class. Um, I, uh, I think it's a perfect film. Like, it's hugely entertaining and it grips you from, from minute one. Um, and for a film of that age... That's pretty uncommon. Most films pacing ages quite poorly. Like you can try to go back and watch like fifties and sixties films, but this one is just unique. It just absolutely from from minute one grabs you and doesn't let go until the end. I think it's fantastic, um, and that's all I got to say about that. Okay. <laughs> yeah, well, I, was, yeah. I, didn't, I didn't want to lean into it too yeah. hard. I was trying to be sensitive about it. But has anyone seen Twelve Angry Men? I have not. Another play. Mm. That's why I thought I'd go through it quickly. So I didn't yeah. think many people had. Um, it's great. Like, as I said, if you're going to watch one film that's black and white from that era, like, this is the one to do it because, yeah, it's so watchable um, and really, really, uh, yeah, really great courtroom mm. drama. I always like to think of it as the pairing with To Kill a Mockingbird. See, I still haven't seen To Kill a Mockingbird, which, is, yeah. you know, obviously is a crime, but mm. um, I've heard that one's wonderful as well. Yeah. I always feel like the two, even though they're two different stories with two different characters, it kind of feels like those two go hand in hand. Maybe a good double that. feature. Yeah, absolutely. If you got lots of time on your hands, yeah. Well, I think that long. I think I think twelve angry men's about ninety minutes. It could be a bit longer, but I th- isn't to kill a mockingbird pretty long. I think it is pretty long. Um, yeah. <coughs> I don't know how long, but it is pretty long. And because it's because it's an old film as well, it does suffer from uh, pacing mm. a bit. Um, Which twelve angry men does not like. For me, like you don't need to cut a single frame. It's it's pretty perfect. Yeah. Two hours at the top. About two hours yeah. for To Kill a Mockingbird. Two hours, nine minutes. Mm. But, yeah, that's long in, like, 40s time. Like yeah. 40s and 50s, like, two hours is, is – like, Ben-Hur is a four-hour film and it felt like three days. Like, it's just a, a long – Twelve Angry Men comes yeah. in at a snappy one hour 36. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Yeah, it's an, it's an easy watch and so good. Um, all righty, let's go to something a little bit more modern. This is the next pick from Andre. It's a 2015 film, I want to say. Um, and it's brilliant. It's Mad Max Fury Road. Oh, yeah. What a choice. Such a good it, – it's probably – it would have to be my favourite action film of all time. Wow. Like, granted, granted, you know, when when you say action films, a lot of people will generally gravitate to just, you know, gun shooting and blah, blah, because, because it's action, like, and that's fair enough. It's not – Mainly it's supposed to be story driven, but for me personally, it's it's the cinematography and the shots and all the practical effects in it that make it a fantastic film. Like mm. I've watched it that many times, and and every time I just get encapsulated by how beautiful it looks. Yeah, it's um, it, it's just it's just fantastic, and and a little like a, a little fun fact. Um, when the war dogs make their praying sign like this, and they're actually they're actually doing a um a V eight engine. Oh, like, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. when they cross their fingers together like that. Ah, 
that's really cool. Wait, what was it? Sorry, I missed it. Um, so, so when the war dogs do their praying sign, yeah. like one across their fingers, they're actually making a um a V eight engine. Oh, that's what a V eight engine. That's what I mean. Um, that's very yeah. cool. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, the George Miller thing. Oh, oh, so yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the story itself, in in my opinion, is like like look, it's kind of meh. Um, but but the jet but like the journey through it the like the adventure of it the law of of the world they build it again the background it's just great um it's it's such a ride it'll keep you on like on the edge of your seat i love it that's the way i felt the first time i watched it i was like that was a visual feast but i don't really get it like everyone's saying it's the best action film of all time and there's no story and again this was in my my snobbier years and like I rewatched it recently, I'm like, no, it really is like a, a masterpiece. Like, not mm-hmm. everything has to have a story. Like, we're very story focused here on the show. We love a good story, but you can just show us something we haven't seen before on screen, and that's enough. Um, and I never saw a guy playing guitar on bungee cords at the back of a truck before. <laughs> yeah. uh, that is one of the most lit things I've ever seen. Yeah, yeah. Cool. And I would, you know, put that in every film moving forward. <laughs> you know? Harry Potter? Yeah. Put it in. Yeah. First Gump? Fuck it. Like when the Durmstrang students are like coming down the hall, you know. <laughs> 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 uh, Witness like, me. You know, they could have put it in, in Ferris Bueller, would have made it better in that parade scene. Yeah, Patina, guy in bungee cords playing guitar. <laughs> every single film. Passion of the Christ, one of the. <laughs> like, done and done. Uh, yeah, the flick's gorgeous. It's, it's, so have you watched the Blood and Chrome version? I, I still haven't watched the, the, the black and white version. No, no, I haven't. Oh, they definitely released it in black and white as well. It was like during that time between like 2014 and 2018, like. Every film got a black and white release, and uh, Fury Road was one, and Logan was one as well. Um, but apparently, it's a it's a gorgeous film, black and white, also. Um, no, but I'm, I haven't seen that. But I'm definitely going to jump right on that. Yeah. Um, anyone else have any thoughts on Fury Road? It's, it's a great flick. Classic. I think it's a modern classic. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Good remake. Mm. Great action scenes. I, I dig that there's not much story because mm. I know it just it's like a visual storytelling and. Barely anyone speaks in it as well, which is sort of cool. It's mm. I just think it's sort of unique in its own, and it sort of just works. Sorry, I cut you off there. Oh, oh, go on, Andre. I'll, 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 I'll Alex, Andre speak. <laughs> is is, like, is there a second one coming out? Because I've heard rumors of it. Um, yeah. yeah, they're working on a Furiosa origin story, I think. So I don't think it's even Charlize Theron. I think it's a different actress kind of playing a young Furiosa. Okay. Um, yeah. Well, as long as it's still directed by George Miller, then I'm happy. The guy's getting old. He's got to pump out a few more films. Like, yeah. Uh, he was missing. I'm just taken. Yeah, come on. What's going on? Um, he was going to do a Justice League film back in 2007, um, and it got scrapped. But apparently it was going to be... Uh, it's quite fun, but anyway, I don't mind. We got Fury Road, and it's brilliant. Cool. Um, I was just waiting to see if anyone had anything to add. Uh, the next movie on our list, number forty-three, is a film that I think just about everyone put on their list at one point, and I have to say no to most people. Uh, this is a Gabby pick. Uh, it's a Scorsese film. Ray Liotta, Robert De Niro, Joe Pesci. It's Goodfellas, one of the most watchable films of all time. Yeah, so I've oh, I've seen this movie so many times and each time um 
like when they're all at like why, what are you laughing at? Like, why are you laughing? Funny how. Funny how. Funny yes. how, yeah. Like, I'm just so, like, ooh, yeah. so uncomfortable <laughs> because, like. Like, I'm I a clown. Do I amuse you? Like, <laughs> I don't know, Tina, maybe you'll be able to relate. I'm not sure. But, some like, when men speak like that in an aggressive tone, hmm. Even though I'm quite outspoken and I'm quite, like, I would say I'm extroverted, mm. when they speak to me like that or speak or I can hear it, mm. immediately I'm like, huh. oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, because I'm, yeah. I don't know how you're going to react. And his character oh. is so unpredictable in terms of how explosive he is. You're like, oh my god, oh my, is this gonna be like, is he just gonna like shoot someone? He's gonna pop off on someone, he's gonna stab someone. Yeah, I don't know, please, please. And I <laughs> hate conflict, so I'm always like, no, just just be like, hee, it's a joke. Um, but just the sort of um the story that you follow, you know, the rise and then obviously the imminent fall. Mm. And you're just along for the entire journey. And I don't know, I always find myself wanting there to be a happy ending and yeah. them to be like, oh, well, it was okay in the end. Um, even though, like, it doesn't always end up that way. Um, but, yeah, I it's, it's just an iconic movie. Um, I like, you know, mob stories. I think they're yeah, really, exactly. really interesting, um, especially because I feel like, even though, obviously, um, I mean, I don't know too much about the, the current state of the mobs in, in uh, America, but I feel like the the big, like, mob families and things like that, You, it's still somewhat, like, it doesn't feel like that long ago. Like, mm-hmm. if you look up, um, you know, information about the mob and, and, you know, what really went down, who who the big families were, it seems almost still relevant. Um, yeah, it's and, only probably not, like maybe two generations ago. <coughs> right, so it's not so far removed. It's similar to when, I mean, the American mob and then when you think about like the gangland wars in Australia, yeah. obviously it's not at all the same thing. But um, I only watch Underbelly like the whole thing for the first time during lockdown and I was like, oh, my gosh, like that was only... That's that's that that's not even that long ago. That's only yeah, like fifteen years, 15 years ago. It's really yeah, years ago. recent history. Yeah. yeah, right. So like you know, all this sort of stuff seems like oh, this is like when my 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 parents were young, or like my my grandparents were in their twenties. Like mm. this is still a thing. So this is it's it still doesn't feel like oh, that's so far from reality that I could never imagine stuff like that happening. Um, and because, you know, as the story progresses, more themes keep coming up that, you know, you're familiar with, you're like, oh, wow, okay, so this this is real. And, and you can see just how easy a person in his position, like, would be to fall into that and aspire yeah. to be that because they're, they're – that that's it. It's the glamour. You only see, like, he only sees all the good stuff when he's on the outside and then when he's on the inside, you're already in. You can't get out now. Yeah. Unless you want to get 
So like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I feel the I feel like the way the film's made, like when you watch it, it feels like that too. Like you're drawn in immediately by Ray Liotta's um, narration. Mm. It's like ever since I was a kid, I wanted to be a gangster, and it seems really glamorous. Yeah, and then it just turns into this like coke fueled nightmare. Like, yeah, nightmare yeah. towards the end. Is it Joe Pesci at his most loose cannon? Like, is that? Is it, I think so. Like yeah, that, that casino. casino. But yeah, <laughs> I don't know if I've seen Casino. No, we have. We oh, watched we have. it. Okay. Yeah, he makes a sticky end in that flick. Um, but uh, yeah, like he really steals every scene he's in Pesci. Like that funny house scene. Like it's just tattooed on my brain. Uh, and he just seems to like get a kick out of violence. Like he, old Christopher Moltisanti from from Sopranos gets his foot, like his toe blown off, and Pesci <laughs> just thinks it's a grand old time. And uh, true Scorsese fashion, great soundtrack, great use of the song Layla, um, and was expertly parodied in Community. If anyone watched that, but um, it's a, yeah, it's a it's a watchable flick. Like for a two two and a half hour drama about gangsters, like. You can just start it again and again straight away. Mm, it's mm. Watchable. Um, Gabby, this was one I had to take off my list because I was late getting it in. Yeah, yeah. I the later it got in the week, I was like, I know if I don't say it, someone else is going to say it, so I have to say it first. And um, I think I did it like just as the bell went. I'm kicking kids out of the class, and I, I'm like. Um, and because they'd been doing something that didn't require me to be, like, on top of them, watching them do everything. So I was just, like, looking up a few movies that I know that, like, I really like and that I can, you know, put on. I mean, I don't think I could watch this at any point in the year, but I know I can put put it on and I won't want to pause it or walk away from it. And I, this is it's what, definitely... what Gabby watches instead of Home Alone each year. She's like, yeah. <laughs> this is my Merry Christmas. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so and I was like, yeah, look, I would be flabbergasted <coughs> if, if it didn't come up. So I'm like, I'm going to put it in so no one else can get it because that means I don't have to work really hard to find something else. <laughs> That was the thing. Like, everyone was like, oh, but I want the thing. It's like, no, no, it's a pool. Like, we were going to talk about it. Yeah, that's it. Josh, I'd love to hear your thoughts. We don't really talk gangster films, you and I, ever, but I imagine you've seen Goodfellas. I can't remember it. It's been so long. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it. Oh, it's on my rewatch list. Oh, it's so worth it. Like, it's... Sorry, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I'm shaking. Yeah, <laughs> and was it our equal number one, Nick? When we did the Scorsese episode back in the um, yeah, I, like it would have been mine. There's, I can't think of when we did our top five Scorsese films that. I oh no, put you know, we, I think our top because Nick and I got very excited. Oh. the third episode, the second or third episode, and we did Scorsese films to begin with. This is before the show had a format, and I think our top three were Wolf of Wall Street, Goodfellas, The Departed. Yes, yeah, yes. that's right. And we were very, the- like, we were giggling like little schoolgirls, like. We're the same again. Yeah. Is The Departed the one with Leonardo DiCaprio and um Matt Damon? Matt Damon, yeah. Mm. And like one's the seek, he's like um, the undercover cop. Yeah. Yes, that's a really good movie. Mm. The first time I saw that flick, I didn't know the difference between Matt Damon and Mark Wahlberg, and it was a very confusing <laughs> they they've both got the Boston accent. Yeah. And it's a fun little tidbit with um Departed. Every time you see a character on screen and there's a cross in mm. the screen. That character's gonna die. Yeah. 
Uh, and like, if you're paying attention, like when you see what happened, like I won't spoil the departed because it's not on our list today, which actually feels like a bit of a crime with the include the departed, but we're talking about it, so it's okay. Like when you see <laughs> that final X on screen, you're like, oh no, oh no, like everything was going so well. Um, and it's a remake. It's actually based on a, a I want to say, Korean film called Internal Affairs, Infernal Affairs, which is quite good. So. Um, excellent. Time to move on. Goodfellas, great flick. We're going to go to a Nick Owen pick now. Movie number 42, 80s classic. We've already talked about Eddie Murphy once. Let's talk about Beverly Hills Cop. Oh, love it. One of my absolute favourite films of all time. Um, I just love Eddie Murphy. Um, have done since The Nutty right? Professor. <laughs> <laughs> um, this is basically a, a Detroit, a sort of gritty Detroit police officer um, and he's one of his close friends gets killed in um, Los Angeles, Beverly Hills. So he goes out there to investigate and he gets paired up with a few people from the Beverly Hills Police Department and hilarity ensues. But I actually think it's a great action film as well as a comedy. Mm, mm. It is. I, um, um, I've only seen it the one time. I didn't see it until I was in my 30s, I think. And we were going through an 80s stint and Tina was like, oh, we should watch Beverly Hills Cop. I was like, oh, yeah, I don't think I've ever seen it. And just, like, the way he tricks the police just so they won't follow him because they're always on his tail. Um, that, that running gag I just thought was really funny. Um, and is it Judge Reinhold? Is he one of the yes, yep. mock trial with Judge Reinhold? He's one of the um, one of the police officers. And also um, that guy from Robocop, I can't think of his name, the older guy from Robocop is there, like, sergeant. Oh, I'm not sure. Mm. Um, not yeah, not Robocop, yeah, yeah. one of the other guys. No, 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 yeah. Yeah, no, not Robocop. He's not in Beverly Hills. No. But, okay, <laughs> Would you call if you Ninja. 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 Oh, no. It's a great film, Beverly Hills Ninja. Um, who else is in Beverly Hills? I'd love to hear some thoughts in the flick. Because he hasn't seen the once, so I don't have a lot to say. I've only seen it once as well. Nick's going to start fizzing up that water again just by boots. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen it, but I can't really remember. Like, I just know it's a great action comedy movie from the 80s. Yeah, I mean, it's getting a bit dated now, so that's, like, totally understandable. Like, I don't think it's a film that kind of is still in the public consciousness that much. I feel like it comes on TV, like, uh, free-to-air. It's on there quite a lot, or at least it used to be not so long ago Um, because you'd see, like, ads for it on, like, seven... Seven go or whatever. Yeah. I think if people can still talk about Lethal Weapon in conversation, you can still talk about Purple Hills Cop. Mm. Like, yeah. Um, anything Eddie Murphy is pretty awesome, though. Yeah, anything kind of 80s and 90s in particular. Like he, and, and some of his family comedies. Like I really dug um, Daddy Daycare. I think that's a solid movie. Um, Welcome but, uh, to America. Yeah, Coming to America. Coming to America is Coming to America, sorry. Yeah. So good. Um, um, and the sequel is pretty decent as well, actually. Beverly Hills Cop Two, and then the third one's just there. It's okay. I, for some reason, I thought you had the sequel to Coming to America, and I was like, oh, I haven't seen that yet. But you were definitely talking about Beverly Hills Cop. Um, the third one doesn't that isn't the uh, the final act scene like him climbing a Ferris wheel? Isn't that what happens in the third? Yeah, but it's like the whole thing is about like this um, theme park or uh, adventure park that is like. Laundering money or something like that. So that's uh, 
that's how they used to make movies with the number three in the title. Like, before <laughs> that they, you know, thought sequels could be better than the originals. So, like, let's just do a money laundering scheme. It's a Ferris wheel. Um, nice one. Well, let's jump on to our next movie, movie number 41. We've, we're almost 10 through, guys. 40 to go. Woo! Uh, this is a Josh pick. Uh, it is a sci-fi film from the last few years with uh, Amy Adams and I think Jeremy Renner, if I'm looking correctly. Uh, Arrival, a Denis new film. Such a good movie. I, I, I support this. <laughs> I, um, I was talking to Nick the other night and Josh, Nick was like, Josh has picked some, some real classic films. So this was an impressive pick for a lot of people. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's a weird movie because, like, I mean, my list isn't necessarily, like, my all-time favourites, but I think they're, like, movies that I like that I think other people should watch. And Arrival, just, like, Arrival's a weirdly emotional movie. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, like it uses time as well, really great. Like you just don't know where like the her like personal events are happening, um, but they still work. Um, it always sort of hits you. Like yeah, it, it gets it's like it hits in different ways, and I really like the way they did the aliens and the communication. Um, just trying to think what else happened. Um, just her story unfolding, like um, and how they go through like how they sort of like talk about language and time. Um, I just think it's a really great take on Aliens. Uh, really cool sort of sci-fi, yeah. It's a visually gorgeous film. It's a strangely romantic film. Like, I didn't expect that going into into that movie to have kind of that love story and what happens to that relationship and kind of how it's all revealed. I was just not expecting that from a from a science, film, a science fiction film about alien translations. Like, it just... And, and like, I mean, this one is certainly a surprise one. Like, it definitely made me cry. Like, I'm a big movie crier. But... Um, yeah, it's just, it's a really beautiful film. Um, I agree. It's visually stunning. Like, yeah. those, Im- I just like always remember it, like the images of her talking to the um, aliens. I don't know, whatever that big screen thing is. Yeah. yeah like coffee, the, the coffee mug stains. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <coughs> I just think yeah. they did a really good job with that. Uh, like with the language, it doesn't feel like tacky or half thought. It's like really goes in depth with um, how they how you, how someone like would deal with an alien encounter. It's very believable. Yeah, mm. that's it. Like the the aspect of you know, like they that they can only translate if uh, it can, if ever if everyone on earth works together i can i think that that's the main message of like of the movie like even though we're divided by countries like we're all on one planet like we're all one race um i thought it was really interesting that um that the belches that that the um heptapods make um they like, they're just heavily pitched um uh, didgeridoo sounds oh really that's awesome yeah. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, this is why you have an Andre on the show because he's going to drop some sick back. Hello. <laughs> it's really funny because um, when Josh's list came in, I was like, "Oh, like look, these are the," and he's like, "Oh," because he wanted to. Pick up. Oh, I'm sorry. And, and actually, Andre showed me Arrival as well. So you're right. Like it is. It might not be your favorite movie ever, but it is a movie that you know it it's cool to watch with someone else and like see what they pick up and see how yeah. someone else reacts to how the story is playing out. And I sometimes feel the need to verbalize every thought in my brain. <laughs> and so I was trying to work it out, but I'm doing it out loud. And I was like, but wait, 
hang on a second, but she was just, and then, wait, what? But why is she? But and then at the end, I had to explain it out loud to Andre. <laughs> sort of correct me where I've obviously missed something because I'm confused. But and I'd always like I don't know sci-fi movies, especially ones about aliens. I I always approach with caution because they err on the side of horror sometimes because I'm scared that I'm like, I'm, I have a fear of the unknown. So I'm like, oh, I don't know. And so I'd stayed away from it because I'm like, oh, like this could happen. I don't know. Like it seems somewhat realistic. And so I was like, nah, not for me. And then after watching, I was like, that, that was actually really good. Like it was a, it wasn't an easy watch, just something that you just chuck on because you have to pay attention. But I appreciate it and it's right. And you guys are right. Like it was visually stunning and the story was beautiful. Um, yeah. Top pick. Yeah. Good pick, Josh. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm glad we could get a Denis Villeneuve film in. Cause I think yeah. he's probably like you know, the best person making films today. I reckon. Yeah, you can definitely see how that guy got Blade Runner and Dune just by watching that flick. Mm. Like, there's such a such attention to detail to the craft of it all. Has anyone not seen it? I haven't seen it. All right, we've got, yeah. we've got a movie to watch. But um, I was just looking on IMDb through the pictures and I can see what you mean by, like, visually stunning. Like, yeah. all the photographs look gorgeous. Mm. It's um, No, it's great. Um, I, all right, I, let's, let's move on to a film Tina can talk about. It's a Tina pick. Uh, it's a 2001 Christopher Columbus film. It's uh, starring a, a friend of the show, Danny Rads himself, <laughs> Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone, which I think we've all seen. Yeah. Yay! Yeah. How can it not be on the list? We had to get a Potter on there. Yeah, you had to get a Potter on there. And I just had to go with the first Potter because I think the first Potter encapsulates the world the best. I agree. You really get the vibe. You get the homeliness, the coziness of it all, like everything is still young and shiny and new. It's not all like Voldemort's back and things are evil and all that sort of stuff like that. Everything's just like happy and so like well, it's like a big hug in the movie. So yeah. I thought yeah. definitely also, just spot there. Even though like I watched it obviously as a kid and I was, yeah, like six or so when it came out, so at that time I'm watching it, um, you know, Harry Potter and me are of, I guess, similar sort of ages and we enter this world and stage together because it's all the unknown to, to everyone watching it or reading it for the first time. But even as an adult you're doing the same thing because it's they're in our world but it's not our world. Like it's, yeah. it's different to what we have and it's like, God, I wish I could be a part of that. And mm-hmm. you feel like you're also being taken on this journey with him Mm. as well. And, you know, being able to grow up in that time of, you know, like obviously I read all the books, but growing up when these movies were coming out Mm. along with the actors and and watching them go through the trials and tribulations of, you know, high school dramas Mm. and, and, and friend dramas and girl dramas and then, you know, school being, like, really tricky and there's a character that you can relate to somewhat, um, whether they're in Gryffindor or whether they're in Slytherin or or Mm. Ravenclaw, whatever, like, there's a lot of relatable parts to it and 
you know, even like going with your parents to see these movies, like it's not like they were sitting there the whole time being like, oh, when's this crack over? <laughs> yeah. Like yeah, my mum, my mum um, really struggles with um, books. She she did um, she didn't read any of the books, and she really struggles with books or movies where there's lots of characters, <laughs> and so. Um, you know, she was the one who bought me the books first and then we went and watched the movies and all that sort of stuff like that. And because obviously Harry Potter plays basically on a cycle on through-to-air TV, every few months it's like, cool, another Harry Potter marathon on. And every Saturday night, you know, mum will sit down and she'll be like, I'm watching the next Harry Potter movie and I'm, I'm piecing more bits and pieces together and you know, <laughs> the bad guy, like he's the, when the when the hat went on his head and it said Slytherin straight away, it was because he was the bad one. <laughs> yep, that's Draco, yep. And she's like, yes, and I'm starting to understand, like, the bits and pieces because, you know, she didn't go to the movies with me to see them. Like, I was 12 when the movies, when the first movie came out. So I went and saw it, like, by myself pretty much, mm. like with some friends the first time and then with school the second time and by myself the third time, I think. Um and then consequently after that, it was literally just like I would like probably around the time of the fifth movie onwards, I was, what, 16? Well, in the fifth one, I think we started dating. So that was 18? Yeah. So we. So started- I'd literally be like my dad's at home. I'd go, okay, I've got nothing to do. I'd write him a note. I'd go, I want to see Harry Potter. And I'd just walk <laughs> to the cinemas, watch Harry Potter by myself, walk home. And then the next day I was like, I've got nothing to do. All right, I'll go see Harry Potter. I'll write him another note. Got to go see Harry Potter. We'll They're so great. rewatchable. And, like, um, Andre and I, we went and saw uh, the Deathly Hallows Part 1 um, live in concert with the MSO mm. last year and it was brilliant. Fantastic. We like, did one Prison of Azkaban. Yeah, we did Azkaban. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, really? Nice. Yeah. yeah. Like so it was we, great because it's like bum 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 Yeah. I just have to have that kid talk about catching smoke in his bare hands. <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah, like it's it was perfect and like I didn't think I could love the films more, but with the live like orchestra, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm feeling it that much more. And obviously at the end of Deathly Hallows part one. It is so, 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 so sad. And I started crying. <laughs> and I'm like, I know what's going to happen. I've seen it a gajillion times. And so, like, we've, we're seeing um, part two on the 1st of April, so I'm so keen. And I'm uh, I'm getting my friend to make us, um, like, house scarves. Um, Andre didn't believe that he was a Hufflepuff. <laughs> He's like, no, I'm not. And then I made him take the Pottermore quiz, like, <laughs> while we're out at Holy Moly. <laughs> and he is one. So I'm right. I'm not a fucking awful path. I'm not. <laughs> and I guess it will come to no surprise to anyone that I'm a Ravenclaw because I'm always right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, that first flick is so insanely quotable. And yeah. I, don't, I don't know whether it's just because I've seen it so many times, but just feel there's so many zingers in there. Like, literally on the show before, I dropped a little, uh, I'm not going home, not really. To me. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's how he used to wave goodbye to us when he would leave the house. Yeah, that's right. yeah. That's not even a joke. That's literally that's what he would literally do. What <laughs> <laughs> um, I think this is, a, this is a great choice, Tina, for 
particularly for this list because, well, to me, I don't know if, if you all agree, but to me this is the film that most aligned with what I saw when I was reading the books. Yes. Um, yeah. Not to say that the others don't, but I think after this film, it, the films become their own thing, um, mm. whereas this was like it's ex- exactly how I pictured Hogwarts, like all the characters looked kind of how I pictured them. Except for the so, Bat Friar, no, the Bloody Baron. Yeah, Bloody Baron's mm. happy. <laughs> <laughs> for those um, but, I did the act. Yeah, I actually saw this one um, with the MSO, uh, the first one. Uh, okay. When I first started doing that series, it was fantastic. So, excellent choice. Mm. Um, and also, like, again, we were talking about, like, fantastic cast before, and we talked about that a lot, but, like, they've just got every British heavyweight possible in this film. And yeah. if not this film, definitely in the franchise. There's not mm. too many they did, like, short of Mr. Bean, maybe. Yeah. Like, every British actor is in these movies. Mm. Uh, and now I want to see Mr. Bean as one of the wizards. He could be, um... Peeves. Pilch. That's not a bad That's not a bad thing. Yeah. That's actually a really good call. Yeah. Well... Oh, he would make a good Filch, actually. Especially, like, when he's running down the... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, they could just, like, take his character from Love Actually and make him, like, work at Honey Jukes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, Josh, I know you've seen Potter a few times. Um... Being, growing up with me and me being so obsessed with it and then uh, being with a lady who's a huge Potter fan as well. Um, do you have much to add on the on the Philosopher's Stone? Um, I think it's like a perfect first movie for the series. Mm. Um, I, I really love the, the chessboard scene. Yeah. yeah. I really so feel like cool. that is like collecting, going through the devil's snare and collecting the keys. Mm. Matched my imagination while reading the books. Like a one hundred percent, like um, just that whole sort of like trials and adventure thing was really good. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Not me, not Hermione. Yo. <laughs> I think the only thing they didn't do is the elixirs. Is that right? Is like the potions yeah, test, yeah. Mm. and and the troll that he had already knocked out. Well, I guess the potions is like the least visually interesting of all the. Yeah. Like, the, like they just had like a battle on a chess board. Like, and I guess which one you're going to drink. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, something, yeah. yeah. Um, it's a great flick. All right, movie number 39 is one of my picks, so chances are people haven't seen it, but they should. Uh, it is an Indonesian action film called The Raid from 2011. Um, it's what I would describe as maybe the best action film of all time. Um, I'll put it alongside there with Mad Max Fury Road. Um, it's a very simple pre- premise. So, again, not a lot of story. A bunch of cops have to go into a, a tower block of apartments, um, which is run by the mob and they have to fight their way to the top, and it's a brutal kung fu film. Um, if I can sell you on anything in this movie, is you see a man kill another man with a doorframe. Um, <clears throat> oh. Is this, is this the one where, like, the building is inescapable? No, so you're thinking of Dread, which is very similar to The right. Raid. yeah. Um, also a great film. I put Dread up with The Raid as well. But um, it's just fantastic. Like, if you like cop films, if you like kung fu, if you like... Um, crazy action and, and brutal fights like it's just it's perfect so it's so so good um it's a i think i don't think it's too long I think it's about a 90 minute watch the sequel is far too long it's two and a half hours it's wonderful and every minute is great but the first one is just pitch perfect it's solid solid action film has anyone seen the raid no no, no. but you had me at door frame 
<laughs> I'm not even kidding. Like he kicks down a door at one point, and like you just said, the broken base of the door, and he just pulls the guy's neck down on it. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, um, it's brutal. Is it so? It's an Indonesian film. Is it um, spoken in Indonesian? Because the reason I ask is because it's directed by someone called Gareth Evans. Yeah, it's an American director. I think he's an American director, um, but he's he's shot a lot of stuff in Indonesia. I think a because the budget is quite workable. Mm-hmm. Um, but B, also, it's just a different point of view. I think he's like, look, to tell this story in America would cost me, you know, $50 million and I'd have to have a, a you know, big name and um, it would get kind of censored quite a bit. But I shoot in Indonesia. I can tell the story I want. I can make it as bloody and violent as I want. And I can show something a little bit different. Um, at least that's my interpretation of it. Um, but you, there is an English dub. It's not great. I tried watching the English dub and I couldn't get through it. I had to go to the, nat- the natural language, which is how I prefer to watch films anyway. Um, but it's great. Like, you, like, honestly, you don't even really need the dialogue. Like, not the dialogue's bad, but it's just not important. Like, it's you just need to know that cops are storming a building and they're fighting their way to the top. Um, and all the fights are great. Like, if you like the Daredevil hallway scene, like, this movie is just all Daredevil hallway scene. Oh, wow. Like, that's what it is, like, for 90 minutes. Um, well, I um, I took Indonesian in school, so that's that'll finally pay off. All I know is Solomon Tatan. You're like, finally, I can use it. <laughs> Excellent, um, Gabby. You appear to be alone. Is everything okay? Um, yes, Andre just went to the bathroom, but I'm it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're keeping we're keeping that on. Not a that's not getting edited out. Uh, as everyone knows famously, I don't edit my shows, which would account for the low numbers sometimes, but that's fine. Um, Andre would love the raid. So when he gets back from his, his uh, party, there he is. Get on the raids. Like, it's so good. The, uh, so did you say the, what is it called? The raid, like R-A-I-D? Yeah. It's a police yep. raid. Um, all right. Let's move to something a little bit more universally seen. This is a Nick Owen pick. It's movie number 38. It's a 2004 comedy classic starring... Will Ferrell, Paul Rudd, Steve Carell, and uh, David Koechner. It's Anchorman, and the flick pretty much redefined comedy in the 2000s. Yeah, so I really wanted to have a comedy film on this list because mm-hmm. particularly um, the list that I always bring to your show, James, always so serious because I'm a movie snob. <laughs> but uh, I really wanted to have a comedy on here, and this is just hands down the funniest movie I've ever seen. Um, it maybe got a little bit over quoted and overexposed so i think you know i think people know it so well so it probably doesn't land as well like 15 years on but um yeah uh, i reckon there was a two or three year period where i could still watch this every week and find it funny absolutely i think the under the like i think the one the, the character that gets the least attention is paul rudd's character like everyone quotes brick um everyone like is into into Whammy or whatever his name is, the David Koechner character, and obviously champ, champ kind. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, and obviously Ron Burgundy, like he's very quotable. But just like things like it's called Sex, Sex Panther, sixty percent of the time it works every time. <laughs> like just little gems like that are genius. Um, and like there's that weird like twist in the like in the story where Jack Black kicks his dog off a bridge. Like it's just <laughs> yeah. classic, like Will Ferrell shenanigans, and I'm here for it. It's so funny. Um, I'm guessing we've all seen Anchorman. Yeah. 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 A long I haven't seen it for a long time though. Mm. Really long time. All I just remember is I'm in a glass case of emotion. <laughs> and we constantly 
point the cheese. Yeah, cheese. literally, like, yeah. less than a week ago, I'm like, I'm not even mad, I'm impressed. Because <laughs> <laughs> some real cheese. Um, it's just such a quotable movie. Like, yeah. the boy. That's cool. <laughs> Quickly. <laughs> or just the brick is like you know the 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 big fight scene where, where they just bring in like all those celebrities like but they all just come out of nowhere it's it's just so funny yeah yeah that that uh tv station fight scene is so great yeah that's it and brick's just walking around holding a hand grenade like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is it the first or the second one where uh, he's like go back to your home in whore island Oh, I think that's the first one. Yeah, I think that's okay. the first. Yeah. I, um, so every now and again, like, uh, as a fresh 18-year-old, some of the boys, like, in our friend group would be, like, hanging around while the girls were getting ready. And, like, yeah, every now and again, they come in like, oh, why don't you go back home to your home in Whole Island? Because, you know, girls, when they hit the clubs at a fresh 18 they make some questionable uh, wardrobe choices. <laughs> I would argue it's more questionable that the guys are saying that to the girls. Well, it was always in jest. If it was men in a serious way, they probably wouldn't be invited back. I was going to say, I don't think you'd stand for that nonsense. So, No way. No way. Um, yeah, it's a really fun flick. Um, I have many leather-bound books. Is obviously <laughs> <Yes>. great. <laughs> I think as well, like, the more you watch it as well, like, there's the lines, like, Obviously, everyone knows and they're really quotable, but then, like, there's, like, just such stupid lesser-known lines. Like, that bit when he gets his dog kicked off the um, bridge. I don't know why, but I find it really funny. He's just, like, in his car and he's just like, this burrito is delicious, but it is filling. <laughs> and then he just comes along and boots his dog off the bridge. Oh, Milk was a poor choice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I remember, I think this is in Anchorman 2, when he's in the lighthouse. Yeah, that's Anchorman 2. Um, and um, he's, the rest of them have come to, um, to like, get him to come home. And he's gone blind, is that right? Yeah, that's right. And, you know, he's, he's like, I'll give you some biscuits. And it's like he's making Oreos, but it's like cork. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, what are you doing? <laughs> oh, man. Um, and that's a flick I haven't watched in ages. The probably the last time we watched it was when we first started dating, I reckon. Like, mm. um, oh yeah, Kanye West in it. Well, oh, that's Anchorman yeah. Two. Kanye West is Anchorman Two. Yeah, too. probably. There was a time when you know, shit, it was cool. When he that. was acceptable. Yeah. <laughs> um, nice one. Any th- any more thoughts on Anchorman Two before we move on? No. Okay. Um, the next one is a Josh pick. It's movie number 37. This is, We had to get a Guillermo del Toro film on here, of course. Um, so what better than the, uh, I want to say it's a 2005, 2006 film, uh, Pan's Labyrinth, which is gorgeous. Um, tell us all about it, Josh. Um, uh, has everyone seen it? Yeah. I haven't. Yeah. I've seen it, but only once in a long time ago. <coughs> Tina introduced me to it. You've seen it twice. Yeah. Oh, I've seen it twice. Because you watched it, and then you recommended I watch it, yeah. watch it together. Because you were like, the dress, the dress. I don't remember. The girl has like, a beautiful Is that scary? Bed. No, it's not scary. No. Uh, I sound uh, like such a wiener. <laughs> uh, I mean, like, the, the, there's visuals in there with, like, a guy with eyeballs in his hands. So yeah, see, so, like, that's what I've seen is the... Yeah. That's probably the creepiest scene, I'd say. 
Okay. Yeah, like at the, minute, at the table, at the big long table, and it's like the fairy's like, don't touch the food. Mm. And she touches the food and then he just sort of like wakes up. Mm. Oh. Yeah. Okay. It's, yeah, it's kind of like a dark fantasy. Um, so it's set in Spain during World War II. And okay. um, it's, it's this girl and her mum have to live with her stepdad, which is like the captain of like an army. And he's like this mean guy. So. I think what she does is she, like, dreams up, like, this ultimate universe to just escape, like, just the world she's in. Um, but they don't, they, they really blur the lines between what is, like, kind of real and what is not. So you don't really know if it's happening or if it's not happening, uh, which is really cool. Yeah, it's a bit uh, Alice in Wonderland. I was going to say, it sounds Alice in Wonderland-y. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. You, you're never really sure whether it's real or not, but you do know, uh-huh. like, it's, like, she's just not wanting to be there at all. And she just gets, uh, she just finds a way and uh, into like this garden, I think it is. And then she meets this fawn who says like, she's like the princess of the underworld or something. And if she tri- uh, completes these trials, then, you know, she can save her family and herself and all that. And um, yeah, it's just, it's just really weird and odd where she like puts like a weird plant under the bed to help her like mum. Uh, yeah, yeah mum not get sick. Yeah, yeah, I just remembered that. Um, the, yeah, I'm just trying to... Yeah, the the, uh, the monster with the eyes and the hand is definitely, like, really iconic. There's some really cool scenes in there, and um, I just dig the setting, and it, it's not in English as well, which makes it a little bit cooler, more pretentious. Also, <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's not... It's, not, it's <laughs> in a different language. It's Spanish, yeah, it's all in yeah. Spanish. Yeah. It's Spanish, yeah. Probably still um, the best but, film, I would say, like, to date. Like, I yeah. love Guillermo, but, like, it's it's just such a strong entry into his filmography. It's so good. Yeah, it's just beautiful. It's just absolutely visually stunning. Like, well, it's, I shall have to like, add imagine, like, Corpse Bride, but in real life sort of thing. I see, yeah. Mm. Well, it's on the list. Yeah, it's solid. Like it's it's a I, I just picked it up on Blu-ray recently. I think it's on the list of rewatches this year, but yeah, it's so good. Um, it's kind of surprisingly violent as well. Yeah. Mm. And it's mainly the war stuff, isn't it, where the violence really comes out. Um mm. I don't remember it's been a it's been a long while since I've seen it, but I feel like it's got a pretty tragic ending if I remember correctly. Like I don't think the movie tell me. Um <laughs> The guy with yeah. eyes loses his eyes and a, he has to wear an eye patch on both hands. <laughs> yeah. Still yeah. too soon about the eye patch. <laughs> I forgot about that. Gabby had to wear an eye patch last year. Um, there were many Captain pirate beams. Yeah. Oh, heck. Anyway. Any other thoughts on pans? No. Excellent. Moving on to movie number 36. It's another Tina pick. It's the Adrian Brody classic. Yeah. The, the Pianist, which mm. I have not seen, so I won't be able to contribute to this much at all. So um, has anybody else seen The Pianist? Is yes. This, um, what's his name? Adrian Brody? Well, then, no. <laughs> I thought this was with <clears throat> um, who's Batman. Uh, Christian. Christian Bale. Yeah. That's the prestige. No. I thought, okay, obviously I'm wrong, so that's so fine. That's right. That's well, the penis, the penis is a um, Holocaust movie. 
Right. Yeah, for very right, maybe wrong actor in my head. Um, yeah. So um, it is, I've only seen it once. It is a very heavy movie. Like you probably only need to see it once in your life. But my God, is it a beautiful, stunning, sad story. Like it's just gorgeous. Um, so it's basically about um, Adrian Brody plays um, a Jewish character and it's in the, the height of um, World War II. I think it's actually – World War II finished in 44, didn't it? So I think it's actually set in 44. I think it goes over a couple of years. Um, and he he's a piano player. If I remember correctly, like, like I said, it's probably been about 15 years since I've seen it. I think he's like piano player for like a in a bar. Um, and then um, Nick's approval. Okay, cool. Nick's seen as well. Yeah. So he's, he's our backup. And so um, basically like being Jewish and being with a Jewish family, obviously, you know, the Nazis are coming in, the Nazis are taking over, and it's just his story of him being separated from his family and then him going into hiding. Um, and so his family is sent to concentration camps and he – um, manages to to es- escape having to go to that through hiding, and he it's just the whole movie take is just him hiding and him going from place to place and people um, giving him up, and then he has to like hide in walls and all this kind of stuff like that. And he learned how to play the piano for this movie as well. He won an I'm pretty sure he did. He yeah. Academy Award. Yeah, he did. Yeah. Um, he lost a crap ton of weight as well because by the end of it, the war's finished and he's completely emaciated and just like haggard and yeah, he's like cutting. There's one point where he's like cutting a potato into like eighths. Yeah, <laughs> like just eating an eighth of a potato. Or yeah, something that's like that. right because that's all he had. Pretty brutal. Like, and so he can only <laughs> eat like an eighth of a potato a day. Because there's no access to food and all this kind of stuff like that. And I can't remember if this is how it ends, but I feel like the final shot is like him walking down the road, like the war has finished. And he's just like staggering down the road. Is that right, Nick? Uh, I, yeah, you know, it's been a while since I've seen it as well. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure exactly, but like there's that scene that really stands out to me is I think he's, I think Warsaw must be getting bombed or something like that because he's kind of, escaping at yeah. night and he finds that piano out like it's out in the open and he starts to play it and this German officer comes and just starts listening to him play. It's a really beautiful mm. moment. Mm. And it's just a stunning film. Like I haven't seen Schindler's List, um, but I would say this is my version of Schindler's List. And because it's so harrowing and because obviously like, you know, all of this stuff happened – I think it's a really important film to watch because even though it's so saddening to watch it, it's just so poignant and it's so beautiful and it has so much pathos in it that you just, it, it, it fills your soul in a sad way, if that makes sense. Like it makes you go, it makes you be so much more grateful for your family and for your loved ones and how safe you are and how, we don't live in that kind of time and it's just stunning. It's just a beautiful film. But, yeah, really, really sad. 
and very quiet as well. It's a very quiet film and so it allows the piano, all the piano pieces to really sing throughout it. And eight it's, it's, it's always been a movie that's something that's been on my list to watch. Um, yeah, I have heard that it's, that, that like you said, it, it is very, very heavy. Mm. Um, so, so uh, but yeah, because um, I, I, you, you see clips that pop up on YouTube and Facebook and stuff like that. Like, it's quite a known film as well. Um, but yeah, but, um, d- definitely, definitely something that, that I'm going to give a watch, um, mm. despite, you know, I guess, I guess how in impacted the like the movie is if that makes sense yeah and yeah, like that's the thing like i mean holocaust movies are always going to be like that like you have to prepare yourself to watch Schindler's mm. list you have to prepare yourself to watch the pianist but if you prepare yourself you go okay i'm in the mood to watch something like this now you'll really you'll really enjoy it i think okay mm. i, I want to watch i think like i really enjoy those types of movies like not in a way that's like hell yeah boy in striped pajamas i'm down but like it's sort of cathartic to feel those feelings and to acknowledge what's happening you know in a very like self-serving way you sort Mm -hmm. of be like yes no that is wrong and i'm right to think that's wrong and i'm right to be upset about this because this is such an awful thing to have happened and I'm right in feeling this. Um, so I, it's always, I think it's a movie that I've always wanted to watch, but I think, yeah, like I saw Schindler's List first the, and I the guess like the, Schindler's List. it's very heavy. And then like, you know, I've seen a lot of Holocaust like themed movies or like, you know, at least it's, um, set in that time so I feel like gosh I've done a lot of them so it's just one that I've obviously missed but definitely on the list I've got a lot now Mm. yeah (laughs) that's the beauty of this show man you come in with a couple of movies you walk away with like twice as many um yeah so I think we all want to watch the pianist based on that that brief review yeah that's good that I I reviewed it so well absolutely you said (laughs) you said about this one for ages so Mm. I've got to get onto it uh, movie number 35 is another James pick. It's probably one that more people have seen. It's a Damien Chazelle film. came out in 2014 starring Miles Teller and J.K. Simmons. It's Whiplash, which is an absolute cracker of a film. Is this mm. the drumming one? This is the drum yeah. movie. Okay, I always get this confused with the roller derby movie. Which is Whippet. Whippet. Yeah. Um, you, you, can you imagine J.K. Simmons from Whiplash? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is the crossover we need right now. It um so David Chazelle kind of makes the same film over and over again in as much as he always makes film about the drive for success, the passion for the arts. La La Land is the really beautiful lovey-dovey version of that. Whiplash is the nightmare. Um, basically, Miles Teller plays a young man who um, is a drummer and he's gotten into this very prestigious music school, kind of like a Juilliard-type school, um, and thinks he's kind of all that and he's even a bit pretentious around girls and stuff and he's very, very snobby about his music tastes. And then he meets his teacher, played by J.K. Simmons, who I would say is undoubtedly maybe one of the best movie villains of all time. Like, there's not many characters nastier than J.K. Simmons in Whiplash. Like, he physically and mentally tortures and abuses his students. He throws a drum kit at a kid at one point. Yeah, it looks like it. A whole drum kit? Uh, Or, like, a symbol or something. But, like, it's pretty, like, 
it's pretty full on, it's but it's, okay, yeah, but I it's, haven't seen it. It's so good. Like it's a film that I never really hear anyone talk about, but I, I think I think J.K. Simmons won the Best Supporting Actor for it. Um, I remember his speech because, like, give your parents a call tonight or whatever. Like, he was trying to be like all friendly and lovely after that monstrous. I'm I'm pretty sure James that he like swept every award for Whiplash. I'm pretty sure he won like everything. It wouldn't surprise me. And like the ending, I won't spoil it for those who haven't seen it because it's it's a great flick. But like, there's a twist where you kind of like you think it's going one direction, and Damien Chazelle pulls the rug out from underneath you, and it's such a like cringy, like upsetting tone. Um, it's, uh, I don't. Sorry, I was just gonna say I have this thing where, like, if there's a cringe scene in a movie. And, like, if I know it's happening, I will skip it because, like, I can't physically bear to watch something like that. So I just know when I am watching this, I'm just going to be like this in my own body. Well, the point of the scene is humiliation. Like, it's very much a humiliation scene. Um, It's such a stressful film. Like, especially when he's running late to the performance, he gets hit by the car. Um, (laughs) Which is, like, that's not even a spoiler because, like, it's just, like, it's just something that happens in the movie. Yeah. Um, but if you're, like, into art or, you're, you know, you've ever been passionate about anything, it's a really interesting take on the narrative of what, you know, doing whatever it takes to, to achieve your goal. And, like, Miles Teller stands pretty much toe-to-toe with J.K. Simmons. Like, obviously, J.K. Simmons, you know, did sweep the awards run that year. But, like... You'd be hard pressed to find someone who could actually act opposite him because it's so easy for him to take control. But Miles Teller like really steps up and, and stands toe to toe with him. It's fantastic. Um, it's a great flick. Like everyone should watch Whiplash. Yeah, the intensity in it's so great. You're like on the edge of your seat. It's just so weird because we watched it and we're just watching it and it just gets really intense. And then you just sit there like with your eyes glued for the rest of the, the time, just going like, "What's going to happen?" It's so weird because it's just so ordinary. Like, but it's just like every scene is like it just becomes intense and and whether it's just it's weird because it's like an ordinary and you can relate to it but it's like such a great story and the intensity between all the characters and all that i don't like that's all i can think of the word intensity because that's mm. that's basically what it is yeah yeah it's, i would agree i would agree with josh there like it is like it's not one where you just like sit back and chill watching it. Like that's no. on the edge of your seat. <laughs> yeah. uh, I, I I walked into the movie thinking that like because because I saw it. Uh, I can't remember where I watched it. Where whether it was on Netflix or another streaming service. But when when I saw it and and I had I had a lot of really good things about it. I just clicked it on. I clicked on it and knowing nothing at all about the movie and thought it was just going to be a you know a chill movie. Oh okay, this guy plays drums. All right. I can yeah I can deal with that and then and then yeah it immediately turned to my face you know, at the like, on the back of my bed like whoa what the hell is going on but I, I was encapsulated and like some of the insults politically <laughs> incorrect as they are are pretty genius like, <laughs> like there's some pretty funny I can't remember off the top of my head because they're like that upsetting but like some of the jokes like the insults are just are really funny just like how could another human being speak to someone like that. Mm. Um, it, and it plays like a, almost like a horror film. Like it's a drama. Like it's literally like just about a guy wanting to play drums, and like it is legitimately terrifying in places. Like it's it's full on. Um, but, a but I like I like that at the end of the film though. It, it does. It's like 
pretty ambiguous about like, well, as harsh as his methods are, do they work? Because yeah. if you look at where uh, Miles Teller's character ends up in the film, mm. he's like a mini, <laughs> mini Simmons. Yeah, yeah, he really is. Um, just a matter more like like more scary J. German Jameson. <laughs> yeah, that's the version of J. German Jameson I want to see now. Like he's literally <laughs> like Spider-Man. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. I'm glad a few people have seen it. And those who haven't definitely go up. Like it's so good. Um let's bring up a I think it's a Nick pick. It might be a it might be a Josh. I'm pretty sure Nick picks one though. We've got to get some Nolan in here. Um so I would say this is arguably Nolan's best. Um, it's Interstellar. Yeah, one of my favourite films of all time. Um, obviously, like, if anyone's listened to, like, one single episode of James's podcast that I've been on, although my life for Christopher Nolan, <laughs> going back to, like, a- any podcast we've done in the last, like, seven years. Yeah. Um, <coughs> so this this basically follows a group of astronauts. So the planet Earth is dying and um, this group of astronauts set off into the cosmos to find a new home for the for humans. Um, and I think it's a really special sci-fi film. Like, it's got mm. really great practical effects, um, like the score, um, all on an organ. Well, most of it's on an organ. Um, it's pretty phenomenal as well. Um, yeah, definitely a classic. Have we seen this one? You haven't, but I have. Oh, okay. It's a film that I put off for the longest time because it was long. Like, it's a three-hour yeah. movie. And also, I don't know what it was. I just wasn't interested in it for some reason. But I think because one thing that Nolan's been criticised of, even by me, and it's, it's completely untrue, but something that I used to believe was that he's, he's devout or like a devoid of emotion in his films, which actually isn't accurate. He just plays in a very different way. But people told me, like, no, no, you don't get it. You will cry so much to Interstellar. Like, it's such a beautiful film. And, like, the planet with the waves, like, that whole sequence, I won't spoil it for those who haven't seen it, the whole ice planet betrayal thing, uh, which was so unexpected. Um, and then the whole third act, like, we can spoil a little bit. Like, it's a time travel movie. Like, that's what it is. Mm. But the way he approaches it and the way he explains it just, I was crushed. Like, it's so scientific. It's so stark. It shouldn't work. And I'm, like, in tears. Um, it's so beautiful at the same time. And McConaughey, like, this is at the beginning or kind of at the early days of the McConaissance, like, when he kind of came back and started doing some really fascinating work. He's on fire. But, like, everyone in this flick is so good. And it's just a – it's a feast of a film. It's just mm. so enjoyable. And I think as well, like, I mean, if you haven't seen this or if you haven't seen it in a while, like, would yeah, there's no way you'd remember this specific bit, but um, James just mentioned there's a betrayal on a on an ice planet, and um, basically, um, and I can hear how much of a nerd I am as I explain this scene. But they they have to escape this ice planet and they have to redock to a space station that's spinning out of control. Oh, uh, fantastic scene! Uh, and, yeah, and the music about. the music is so intense, mm-hmm. and he's spinning this spacecraft in line with the. Uh, space station and I would just about say that's like the perfect two minutes of cinema <laughs> for me anyway <laughs> yeah um, I only watched it it was about a month ago or less than that yeah because I got tickets for Andre and I to go see um, like some ha- Hans Zimmer works um, 
in concert. Like we actually both went and saw Hans Zimmer when he came to Melbourne um, a couple of years ago, but this was just like a concert being put on by um, a quartet and it was like a candlelight one. Um, and I was going through like their set list. I'm like, I've never seen this, but when he played it um, at his concert, like it was just really intense. It was amazing. Like I've just so that would have been incredible to, to hear live. Oh, that was so good. Like chills, literal chills. Um, so yeah, so we watched it and um I was um my best friend, she was saying like that I have you have to watch it, it's so good. And so halfway through, I think I need to like we need to pause because I need to go to the bathroom or something, and I'm like, all right, I've got thoughts. Um what the hell? Uh what what's going on here? I don't like this. I don't like mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't like that guy. I really don't like that head guy. <laughs> He's the worst. And then um, at the end, I'm like, okay, I'm confused. <laughs> I still don't like that guy and I'm sad. So why did you tell me to watch this? Um, but I think, and then I watched like a bit of a breakdown of how the time travel worked. And then I was like, oh, <coughs> right, it's it's all coming back to me. So, yeah, it's great. Great concept, great execution. I think a great performance put on by everyone in in the movie as well. So, tick. <laughs> Excellent. Any other thoughts on Interstellar before we, we move to the next one? The robot. <laughs> yeah. The square robot. Yeah. I don't remember the robot. It's been a couple of years since I've seen it. It's like four, like... I don't know what you'd call them, pylons, or just, like, forms. Like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. yeah just twists. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think that was, like, I, th- well, I feel like this is his version of 2001, like, he's trying to do it 2001, and, like, the robot in 2001 is also kind of strange and very basic. Yeah. Mm. Um, so I think that was kind of his take on that. Uh, excellent. Movie 33, it's a Josh pick. It's an M. Night Shyamalan film, which uh, we need to celebrate. We don't get enough Shyamalan on the show. Um and it's uh, it's unbreakable. Oh, I have not seen that. I haven't seen that one either. I haven't, I haven't seen that in a while. I don't think you have either. Um, Josh, take us through Unbreakable. It's so good. Oh, um, so this guy's like, he's just getting like, um, he's down on his luck, bad incident after bad incident's happening to him. I think, I can't remember what happens to him, but he, um, yeah, I can't remember. He just goes through a lot of bad, bad things. Um, and then he sort of ends up on this um, train that crashes and he's the only survivor. Um, and he gets contacted by this individual uh, who's obsessed with, like, comic books. Mr. And he Glass. Keeps... Mr. Glass, <laughs> played by Samuel oh, R. Jackson. Oh, okay. Yeah. And anyway, this guy's, like, obsessed with um, uh, Bruce Willis's character and he's like, you're a superhero and... Um, I don't know how to, how to, like, just things happen. And, like, I don't know how to explain everything that happens without spoiling the whole movie because, like, it gets to that point. Mm. So, so it's a 30-year-old movie. I think you can spoil it. Yeah. Like, okay, like. Sorry, just yeah. th- this ties into Split and was it? Yes. Blast. If you Blast, were in theaters right. in 2017, you saw Split and at the very end, Bruce Willis pops his head up. If you've seen Unbreakable, you were like, oh. <gasps> 
if you had yeah. to have breakable, you'll do a Tina said she goes, wait, spoilers that Bruce Willis is in this movie? Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, yeah. Oh yeah. Okay, that, that because it was like a sequel, like 30 years later, like to a film that a lot of people forgot about. Um, but yeah, so it split and then Glass kind of elaborated on the concept of superheroes in the real world, but it's just a. Um, so um, yeah, the basic, the basic gist of it is this guy who's like down in a wheelchair is like, he just, he loves comics, comic books so much. He's like desperate to prove that Bruce Willis character is like the superhero to make his like world better. And then like Bruce Willis eventually figures out that this guy's behind like all these like tragic events. Oh, um, so yeah. he's making them happen. Yeah, yeah, to, to discover superheroes. Yeah. Ah, oh, I see, I see. And, like, this guy in the wheelchair, is, like, he thinks he's like, oh, well, I, I don't know if he dubs himself the world's most intelligent man, but... Um, he thinks he's Professor X. Yeah, yeah basically, in, in a nutshell. Uh, and he's trying to, like, figure it, like, trying to pull people out of the woodwork so he can prove his, prove his theory. Um, and and it's, like, it's kind of a simple movie, but it's really, like, cool how it goes, and it's, like, a different take on the, the superhero genre. It's really fun. It's a, like it's you know, Shyamalan. I think it, I can't remember where, where the Unbreakable was before Sixth Sense or afterwards. But it had a string of success with horror, uh, with kind of horror films, and then he kind of went a little bit of a different route. And everyone was waiting for that twist because that's what um he became known for. But Unbreakable is just like a really fun, often forgotten film. But um, you know, it's Bruce Willis and Samuel L. Jackson like in the peak of their careers. Like they've just done Pulp Fiction together a couple of years earlier. Um, they're getting some a lot of uh, a lot of films, and yeah, it's a it's a really great time for the movies. Yeah, excellent. Yeah. Um, excellent. So the next one is a Tina pick, um, which again I think is gonna be a film that everyone's seen. It's a James Cameron film. It was the biggest film of the nineties, I think, and it's uh, I can't remember. Titanic. Oh, of course. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was like, who's James Cameron again? <laughs> I, uh, yeah, tell us, tell us about Titanic. Right, so it's based on a true story. <laughs> I'm not sure if you know this. Um, but basically, like, I was in, because we were talking about doing this podcast, and I was um, teaching my class, and the room next to me, um, they have their media class on the same time as me, and they're studying Titanic. And so I was watching it, and I was like, you know what? That really is one of the movies you do have to watch before you die. Mm. I think it's so epic, it's so huge, and it's so monumental that you can't have gone through your life and not have watched it. Mm. I think, like, the very like the minute that you say to somebody, "Show me a scene from a famous movie," what's the first thing that they do? It's like the arms out at the Titanic, mm. sort of thing like that. Uh, or like, paint me like one of your French girls. Yeah. Yes, yes, you know, exactly. And the hand going down the glass and and all that sort of stuff like that. And, I mean, obviously it's a massively long movie, mm. really long movie. And I could <laughs> give or take the whole grandma diamond necklace but at the bottom of the ocean. Like I understand we have to have some sort of like, driving force behind mm. the thing. And obviously, like, up in all the stuff that's happening with um, Billy Zane and, and um, oh, what's the actress's name? Kate Winslet. Kate Winslet, of course. Uh, Billy Zane and Kate Winslet, Leonardo DiCaprio before, you know, the iceberg actually hits 
you know, um, and all that sort of stuff like that, or building all that drama, building all that romance, building all that intrigue and stuff. And then, you know, once the iceberg hits, it's like fucking <laughs> slay for all mm. in terms of action. But I always remember, like, I mean, obviously we don't need to talk about the action because we've, we've all seen Has anybody not seen it? I don't think anyone on the planet has not seen it. Yeah, yeah. you know what I mean? <laughs> But I always, in cinemas that often, like. yeah, that's right. But I always remember, like, I don't know if you guys knew the 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 little bloopers and the little um, goofs. So, like, there's one where because I had to build like models of the Titanic and everything, and a lot of it's done, you know, with CGI back then and all that sort of stuff like that. But a lot of it's also done with practical effects. <laughs> and there's ones, there's one where like the way that the camera's shot. And the people are falling, and one person hits into the big pipes. There's mm. massive pipes that come out. But the thing is, the pipes are made of foam. Obviously, they have to be. And so he just like boings off it, basically, yeah. and it like bends <laughs> because it's just made of foam. And that's always like to watch like the little spoofy bits and the goofy mm. bits in between. But you know, it's just such an epic, mm. epic tale on yeah. such a massive scale. And I want to say something as well because everybody says <laughs> that Jack would have fit on the door. <laughs> and, okay, door. yes, Jack would have fit on the door. But if he had gone on the door, the door would not have floated. I think it would have been too much weight and it would have sunk and Jack knew that and that's why he didn't get on the door. They Didn't they do this on Mythbusters? They did. Hey? Well, there you yeah. go. There you go. I'm just as smart as the people on Mythbusters. Well, also, you do weigh a bit more when you carry, you know, all the performances of the last two decades. On your yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> 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 uh, my favourite Titanic story is a, is a really nerdy one, and apparently Neil deGrasse Tyson reached out to James Cameron, I think, like, via email or something, and it was like, hey, he goes, I really love the, the movie. I just thought you should know that um, the map of the stars you put in the sky is not accurate to what the stars would have looked like. I saw that as well. Yeah. Yeah. I saw that too. Everyone was like really offended. It's like, do you think anyone's even paying attention? But He's then, like, yes, I am. And then Neil deGrasse Tyson like said, like years later on a re-release, he noticed the stars have been fixed, and he was uh, like, oh, "Thanks for that, or whatever." I just think that's yeah. a really funny story. <laughs> I always like the stories that you hear of people thinking that Titanic didn't actually happen; and it's just the big budget movie. Yeah, yeah. All the like, I was gonna say millennials, but I guess that technically applies to us. But like, yeah. the, the generation Gen, after, Gen, Gen Z, is, Gen Z, they're like, wait, yeah. like the movie? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think. Um, it's obviously, yeah, as you said, it's like it's a it's based on a, a real thing and but like it's surprising to me how many people think that the story of Jack and Rose is like is is the real part of the story. Yeah, yeah no, um, that's right. But you know, there are little tidbits of, of, mm-hmm. of real people that were in it, like the couple that died together. Yeah. Um, and also the guy who who only lived because he was so drunk that his body temperature yes was like he didn't freeze to death. Yeah, exactly. And the people playing the music. That's it, yeah. Yeah. So, like, those sorts of things are really interesting. Obviously, you know, Celine makes bank every time that song plays, every time someone sings it, you know, the movie doesn't almost doesn't exist without Celine. Um, <laughs> and she's not, she's not in it. 
But yeah. when you think of Titanic, you think of the song. Well, and I then think, I think the other thing is is that because obviously we all know how it ends. We all know when you're going into that movie, you know exactly what's happening. So it, it's been spoiled for you beforehand. Wait, what? So when all of that um, expository stuff of like, oh, should we check the lifeboats? Oh, no, it's okay. Don't worry about it. And, oh, don't, do we have enough life jackets? Oh, yeah, we've got one for all the rich people. And so you sit there going, oh, like if they yeah, just. Yeah, like don't they, at the start of the it. film, they're like, they say it's unsinkable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You need this this uh, nuclear device for icebergs? Yeah. No, I'll leave that one at home. But, yeah, like, it's it's an epic movie. And I remember when it came out, like, on, like, VHS, there was two. In, mm. And it was, like, that big boxy type, like, oh, thing. We had that set. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yep. Mine came in a single clamshell because I got it for my eighth Christmas. I don't know why I asked for Titanic. I was like eight or nine, and I was like, "Did I have Titanic?" Yeah, and we watched it Christmas morning. Um, I I can't. It's after all the stories I've heard of, like the censorship over what you viewed in your household, especially no Simpsons, but you can watch Titanic. Especially, oh no, you know why? I will, I will debunk this for you because swearing is a no go. This is this is this was the idea. Swearing was a no-go. Violence was a no-go. But boobs? Yes, oh, yes, yes. to boobs. I remember like, hearing this. It was the only yes. time that you're going to be seen in that household. He's talking about his dad, not him. Oh, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> Whatever. I I'm am, not going to hear anyone's I am just telling people to cover up in my house. I'm like, no, no, no. Um, but I haven't seen it since then. That's the last time I watched Titanic. But I remember it pretty, uh, pretty clearly. But um, it's definitely due for a rewatch. People are always telling me how great it still holds up, so. I think it does. Yeah, I think it does hold up. Like, it's always good. Mm. Mm. Um, nice one. Had to throw in the cash rose there for Andre. Um, any, uh, any other final thoughts on Titanic before we get to the next one? Couldn't what? you have just given that necklace away to charity? <laughs> <laughs> what can we say about Titanic that hasn't been said already? Just toss it. Mm. And uh, then Britney Spears' boyfriend found it. What? Okay. Um, I feel a tangent coming on, but I'm, I'm here for it. Okay, so in one of the songs, um, they're like, I thought that old lady threw it down in the ocean in the end. Well, baby, I went down and got Oh, it. yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so there you go. Uh, I, I understood about 3% of that, but then <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, the next flick is another James Peake. It's movie 31. Uh, this was my favorite film of 2017. Um, I would also say it's maybe the best comic book film ever made, but it's up for debate. Um, it is the James Mangold masterpiece that is Logan. Um, mm. It's uh, it's very – every time I watch it, it gets better. Like, it's not a film that ages poorly. It, it is always little things to discuss in it. It's the only X-Men film we really need to see. Like, I love all those movies, but if you have to watch one, this is it. Um, it's a really wonderful, like, redemption story. It's a father-daughter story, which really affects me more a whole lot now than it did when I first saw it. Um, it's brutally violent, which you want from a Wolverine film. Um, it's packed with emotion and um, heroism and kind of like that reluctant kind of heroic stranger, um, which is what makes Wolverine so great. Um, Hugh Jackman, the fact that he didn't get a nod for this film is ridiculous, to be honest. He's, he puts everything into that performance. Um, if you've ever seen the behind the scenes video of him doing like the ADR, the grunts, 
It's pretty impressive stuff. Yeah, it's fantastic. Um, and the fact that it didn't even get like a, a, a nod, I think it got nominated for writing, but it didn't win. I was like, what script was better that year than Logan? Like, it's such a well-executed film. Um, it's the, in our old podcast, it was the only film I ever gave a perfect 10 to. I just think it's a masterpiece. Do you think because it's a superhero film, it didn't it didn't really get the recognition Absolutely. that it deserved? Hundred percent. That's why. Same reason why Hereditary didn't get the um, nominations the year after because it was a horror film. Mm. Uh, there are certain genres that just don't, you get a little bit snubbed, and and that's exactly why. But um, awards don't matter. Like it doesn't matter about you know what accolades you get. The, the flick is is amazing. I love it to death. Um, I'm yeah, sure I definitely I agree with you about um, Hugh Jackman. It's like a pretty perfect like capstone for his time as Wolverine, like to go out on a yeah. high like this. I mean, I know he's sort of. I think he's coming back for one more, at least one, one last he's hurrah. Come, come back for Deadpool three and rumors yes. as well. Mm. That. Yeah, that's going to be great. But yeah, you're right. It's a brutal film. I don't know. Do we see that at the cinemas together, James? I can't remember. No, we didn't. Tina and I went and saw it, and I remember afterwards, I was like, I was grinning ear to ear because at that time I hadn't really liked the Wolverine. I've gone back and it's actually quite a, quite a fun film. But I was a little bit worried because the same director, I hadn't liked the last film. I was like, oh, I just hope they do the film justice. And I was like grinning ear to ear at the end. I was like, what a perfect film. And Tina looks at me, she goes, oh, she goes, that was harrowing. Yeah. <laughs> but great. Yeah. I loved it. It's yeah, it's an emotional ride. Like, But from minute one when he pops his claws when they're trying to like steal his tyres and like one of the blades doesn't come all the way out, you're like, oh, this is a different film. And then he just literally starts hacking limbs off like it's 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 so, like i'm getting like excited talking about it. i only watched it a few weeks ago and i'm like getting excited to watch it again. <laughs> um and you know the, the professor x storyline is really wonderful as well and really heartbreaking um because uh for those who don't know he's going through dementia so the world's most powerful telepath now can't control his own mind mm-hmm. um, which is a really fascinating story arc as well but um oh i could talk about this movie all day it's so good also, isn't such a potty mouth in that movie as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, Steve, Steve Merchant's in it as well, isn't he? Yeah, Steve Merchant plays Caliban um, and uh, a, a mutant who can't go out in the sun. And Richard E. Grant as well. Richard E. Grant, Boyd Holbrook, who was recently the Corinthian in um Oh, that's who he is. Yeah. Um, and, of course... Um, the young girl whose name escapes right now who plays Laura Kinney, X-23, is just so good. Like, just a great Oh, actress. yeah, she's fantastic. <coughs> and they do a very comic book Daphne comedy. King. That's it, yeah. There's a very comic book moment that I did not expect to see in a movie like this where at the end when all the mutant kids are running away and they're trying to get away from everyone, Wolverine runs forward and he pulls his claws out. He goes into berserker mode and then little... Little Laura like yeah. runs up his back and launches off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was such a good shot. Like it's such like it's on the same level as like Cap and Iron Man using the shield and the blast. Yeah. And stuff, but it's so gritty and like dark. Um, yeah, it's an excellent film. I love Logan so much. Does anyone have anything to say other than me saying how much I love it? <laughs> well, you really, really appreciate it more if you if you grew up with like with those characters in like in the franchise. Um, because because at some like at some point like the, the X Men X Men like are going to get rebooted with a whole different cast and stuff like that. So just to put an end to Hugh Jackman's Wolverine, aside aside from Deadpool three coming up, yeah. it 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 was just such a wonderful. <laughs> thing. 
Mm. No, it's it's great. Mm. Excellent. I haven't seen it, so I can't talk about it. Something. Oh, watch you should it. watch like, it. It's brilliant. Like, it's another long Well, list. there's an obvious thing to say that, but Okay, you can't movie. say that I'm a loser when you haven't seen Mean Girls, okay? <laughs> That's right. Um, I feel like Mean Girls is a bit more, like, widely widely seen than Logan, and I'm not saying anything about Logan no, is no, bad. No, you're right. It's been it's around a some, longer. Yeah, I think it's, it's something that I've always wanted to watch but I think because I I like to watch things in chronological order, I'd feel like I'd need to start everything all over again, and I don't really have a lot of time to dedicate to it, but it's all about time management, so I guess I'm going to have to chuck that one on the list. I would say it's pretty far removed. Like, it definitely acknowledges the old films, but there's literally a throwaway line where um, X-23 Laura Kinney is reading X-Men comics. And like, oh, okay. and um, and oh, and Logan rolls his eyes. He goes, yeah. "Why are you reading that?" He goes, "You know, it's all nonsense, right? Like, um, half the stuff in there didn't happen, and when it did, like, people died. Like, he kind of just like, so it is connected, but you don't need to no. be fresh okay. on the films to enjoy it. Um, it does stand on its own quite well. Mm. Um, and that's why I put it on the list. I did think about like, oh, do you like? I try not to put any movies on this list that required a lot of watching, a lot of previous watching. For, so that's why Avengers Endgame's not on my list for this one because. It's a great film, but best watched with the first 20 yeah, movies. Um, but Logan, you can just watch standalone. It's still quite enjoyable. Um, well, when when Gabby and I first started dating, um, I like, I was talking about the Marvel movies, and she and she watched, like, all of them just so she could talk about it with me as well. She told me about that. I remember when she was yeah. going to school, we were texting. I was like, let me know you get to Doctor Strange. Doctor Strange is really underrated. You've got to watch Doctor Strange. Um, I'd seen, like, some here and there, but it's just not something that I ever really, like, super got into. I think I really liked um, the first Iron Man, and I'd seen, um, gosh, I can't even remember. I'd seen a few here and there, but I'd never watched them, like, as they came out, and I felt like I'd been missing out on all this hype that everyone else had experienced except for me, similar to, you know, when Game of Thrones was massive. I started watching it when I think at the end of season four, so by the time it was like halfway through season five, I'd just caught up. So I was really trying to get the same sort of feeling with um, Marvel films, but I started, I think, like three years after Endgame came out, Mm. and I sort of, new little bits and pieces of what had happened. I'd try to avoid all spoilers, but, I mean, it's obviously old enough that people are allowed to talk about it online. Um, But I still, like, I feel like I enjoyed it, like, this this much less than what everybody else got to. Um, I think I, yeah, I watched, I started doing it all because I saw um, Spider-Man, is it No Way Home? That's the, that's the the best one that I that I cry at all the time, and I watch like three times. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. yeah, so that that I watched that one, and I was like, God, this is really good. Like, because mm. I think I sort of made throwaway like, oh, it's a superhero movie, like, oh, it's not meant for me. And then I watched, I'm like, oh, okay, no, I will see it again, and I'll mm. see it a third time in the cinema. And so that's when I thought maybe actually these are for me. And then I watched it, and I'm like, oh, yeah, cool. So yeah, I think that the fact that I haven't seen. <coughs> every last, like, detail has really stopped me from watching this. But, you know, I've got Pan's Labyrinth, I've got The Penis, I've got 
Uh, what else have we got? I've got a few things that I need to uh, fill my weekends with, so I'm excited. And we've got 30 more to get through, so you might find a few more for your list coming up. Uh, well, just writing them down. <laughs> and that's the end of Episode 50, Part 1. We talked about 20 movies. There are 30 to go. Uh, so stay tuned. There is a lot more movie talk to come. Part two is going to be uh, a monster episode because there's so much to talk about, plus some little secrets and bonuses that are coming that we haven't talked about yet. So keep an eye out for that one. But until this episode concludes next week, as we say every single episode, I was a teenage film snob, but I'm trying to be better. See you next week. <laughs>